Hey, this is episode 186 of the Collector's Quest podcast. In this episode, we are talking about the world after physical media is over. What is going to happen when you walk into Best Buy or Walmart? What What is going to be in the video game section? It's probably going to be something, right? Is it just going to be a wall of download cards, or are they going to try to incentivize us with some other garbage? Tell your mom about the show. Let's go. Um, sure, I guess I could be ready for this. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler, here with Johnny. Johnny, you said you're ready. What's going on? I'm ready. What's up? Are we getting right into it? I don't know. We've I've been looking up the, uh, the price of Turtles in Time, a game... I won't even, I won't talk about what kicked this off, but I'm like, you know what? I don't have a complete in box Turtles in Time of any kind. Uh, so I know they're expensive. So I just go to eBay to look at Turtles in Time prices... You can get, like, slightly incomplete ones, maybe a little grungy ones, in, like, the three to $400 range. But for, like, a really nice, very good to near mint one that is 100% complete, it's, like, $600. No, you can find a fine one for $500. You could, oh, great, you can get a, a fine one. See, this is what I don't like. I don't want to settle for a fine one if I'm spending $500, Johnny. Well, the, look, look, to be fair, there's a really nice one. And it just is missing the poster, and it's only five hundred dollars. That should not be missing something unless hundred dollars. <laughs> listen, listen, but this is clearly not the Farley's print. You know, there's a, a version where the manual has a Farley's fruit snack coupon on it. This isn't that version, so this version may not have come with a poster. So this might be complete, and doesn't matter because Wada doesn't care about posters. Just get this one. Oh, so you know what this post, this uh, this manual without the fruit snack offer, without the coupon, it's it's SNES TM USA dash one. So is the one with the fruit snack the the no dash one? Because then you know I need the one with the fruit snack, Johnny. Yeah. And uh, indeed, the one with Farley's fruit snacks is the first print of Turtles in Time. Of so course, get it is, your because... five hundred dollar second print out of here, Johnny. Okay, I'm just gonna like tell anyone. Anytime there's a dumb offer on something that expires after a certain amount of time, that's usually always the first print. So go for that one. I mean, at these prices, I'm going for none of them, Johnny. And then no, I looked up get it. Super Famicom, and like both in Japan and America, they're like over two hundred dollars. It seems like a lot less common than the U.S. one for some reason. Would you say you were shell shocked at the price? Oh man, I was. A hero in a half shell. I did. I wish I had a pun that I could come up with on the spot. I haven't watched enough turtles. I I didn't want to sh- shred my cash to buy it. That, that's. I could okay, have invested into a Donatello. Ah, uh, I don't know what kind of art Donatello made. Uh, it doesn't sound like paintings. Maybe sculpture. <laughs> You're just. The name sounds like sculpture to me, so oh, he's that's a what Florentine sculptor of the Renaissance period. Uh, wow, Tyler, you do know one of the most famous people ever in history. You did guess his profession out of one of maybe three reasonable guesses you could have made. Yeah, um, I'm wondering if there's anybody out there who doesn't know that the turtles are all named after master artists. Well, I didn't know. Are they all sculptors, though? Let's see. Uh, Michelangelo, technically a sculptor, but also a painter, right? 
Raphael? I, mean, I don't know what the fuck Raphael did. What did Raphael do? Is he a sculptor? Most of them did all of it. No, so, see, it's, and, and Raphael's some, a painter and an architect. Yes, but I'm saying it's like usually they didn't lack the ability. They, they are more famous for one thing, but to say that like, he has no sculptures might be incorrect. I'm looking. I'm scrolling through this Wikipedia page for Raphael. I does. I would not say this guy's a sculptor. Okay, so you think in his whole art career, which was vast, he never did any sculptures. I'm. I'm. Is a sculpture something that you just dabble in? Like you take a giant block of marble and you're like, you know, I. I guess I'll make a masterpiece out of this. But after that, I'm going back to painting. Okay, so I am not artistic at all, and I have done a sculpture. And so what, clay? Sure. Also, Raphael died yeah. when he was 37, so point in me for him not having fucking time in his life to do sculpture. Yeah. I I don't know what old masters were like. Look, I, <laughs> I'm i a pretty basic kid. I took an art class in seventh grade. We did some sculptures. Don't. I don't know what he had to do. Someone's going to send us messages. They're going to like send us pictures of Raphael's sculptures. So, so we'll yeah. know in about a week, Johnny. It'll be fun. They're like... Oh, you don't know? Well, I have a master's in humanities, and boy, let me tell you. Anyways, Turtles in Time is expensive, and Tyler doesn't want to buy it because he's a cheapskate. Uh, yes, that's 100%. Not, not at all because I have priorities, and I'm, I'm not buying games that I don't like. I like Turtles in Time, but like that genre is just not. I don't know if I've brought it up on this show, Johnny. I don't like beat-em-ups. I like games where you kill things in one hit because that's the most fun. Why would you want to... Stand there and punch the same guy. It's not fun. I want to feel like a badass. And the person who does that is Ryu Hayabusa. Okay. So, like, basically all Call of Duties now are beat-em-ups because they don't die in one shot. No one. I'm, I'm thinking, see, I don't remember the Modern Warfare campaign anymore, and that's the last Call of Duty I played. But I don't remember being annoyed that people were bullet sponges. Oh, okay. So... I mean, in games where, where things are bullet sponges. So the, the game I really remember that happening is Black for the original Xbox, where people just take a million hits before they died. And as good as that game is, things being bullet sponges makes it a little less fun. I agree with you. It, it, is not, um, it is not enjoyable when you're like, I shot you in the face. Like, yeah, walk it off. You're like, no, don't die. It's, that's what you should do. Yeah. You want to uh, you want to get hard. into some America's Army? I remember America's Army being pretty realistic. You could only take like two or three hits before you're dead. Um, I was in America's Air Force, so I don't really feel I need to go. Oh no, I'm America's talking about Army. like the people who actually I, did the fighting. I know it was a joke. It's a joke. Mine's <laughs> a joke too. Dan. Yo, uh, the uh, the army did the fighting. You mean the Marines? The army didn't do any fighting. Uh, I I don't even know the difference. The Marines are just army people on steroids or something, right? Well, they are part of the Navy. And actually, like, their own thing completely. So you, you would probably offend all of our Marine listeners out there by oh. saying something like... <laughs> I have to remember that, like, people are listening to this, and I can't just offend you that, like, someone else is going to be like, you idiot, you don't know the branches of the armed services. You don't want to tell a Marine that they're part of the Army. That is, that's some oh, highly that offensive bullshit. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Which part of the Army are the Marines in? Oh, boy. Uh, do you want to move on for this? Because there's no, no way give us a good transition. Let's go. I'm waiting to hear it because you're gonna you're gonna lead this episode, John. I'm gonna oh, I'm gonna lead this episode. Okay, so what you've done in the modern world would probably get you canceled. So let's talk about modern gaming. Wow, what a transition, Johnny. Uh something uh, near and dear to our hearts. Yeah, modern uh, gaming. Love it. I would say 
I've got some Xbox 360 stuff just because I was I was buying a lot of that when it was new. You mean those retro games for the 360? Shut up, Johnny. <laughs> Stop it. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant vintage. I've oh offended you. I just uh, vintage. Th- vintage 360 games. Go on. Even vintage would be the th- usual definition would be like 20 years, right? Which <laughs> I guess there's there's a vintage PS2 game out there. Oh my god. Um, Stop it. Anyway, <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I don't derailed you. I, I don't think I own an Xbox one game. Like I own like maybe five PS4 games just because those are the ones I played. Uh, so, it, you know, I'm not a, a big fan of the collectability of modern games. Oh, I'm lying because I have some some limited run games games. So I do have a bunch of PS4 games and you have some switch games, at least two of them. Like waifu I've got Uncovered the Ninja Gaiden and- uh, Master Collection and Waifu Uncovered sitting right here yeah. in front of me. Which you still have uh, notably played. not in the same room as my switch because i have not played them johnny go play but thank them. you for getting them for me for christmas mm-hmm. why won't you play them well johnny i'm i'm a right before you called me i was sitting here playing ultima 4 uh, i know that's why because i've got priorities in both my purchases and my uh, my gameplay i'm just not okay. i'm not looking for something stressful i'm i'm it's kind of a chill weekend i want to lay back and play an rpg well good news the games we're about to talk about, or what we're about to talk about, has nothing to do with playing. It all has to do with collecting. Yeah, so why playing. don't you talk? Why don't you talk to me about the collectability of modern games and the future of modern game collecting? Can you speculate? Yes, I want to talk about the post media future because right now you go to GameSpot, you go to Target, whatever you do, you buy a case with a disc. And the disc is worthless right now. Like, everything has to install. Everything has to update. It's basically just a license. A physical license is what the disc is at this point. Yeah, it's um, copyright protection. Yes. I, I'm pretty sure you could still technically play with these games if you never hooked up your console to the internet. So there is some value to the disc. Even if, like, 99% of people will never realize that value at this point. It feels nice that you have a physical representation of the game on a disc. And you can sell it. You can sell it back. Yeah, exactly. And there's that transferability of that license. Uh, and it sure feels like we are, we are actually at this point on the cusp of that no longer being a thing. We see the the PlayStation 5 already has a model without a disk drive. I don't know about the latest Xboxes. When the latest Xbox have a no disk drive model? Yeah, yeah, it, it does. It does. And uh, when the Xbox One came out, I think the initial design was going to be, you know, without a disk drive cuz disk drives are gross and we don't need them anymore. Yeah, I remember so I remember the Sony commercials that were making fun of uh what they there was some Xbox announcement on how you wouldn't be able to lend games basically. It was probably cuz it didn't have disk drive. Yeah, they they created a bunch of Sony uh capitalized on uh the backlash from that announcement of Microsoft saying they were think, you know, going to make this diskless version or disk driveless version of the Xbox 1 uh and the, uh, Sony put out some counter advertisement feeding off of that backlash and GameStop made fun of it obviously because that really goes against their business model there there's a lot of good reasons for games to not be physical anymore and we but that's not really what we're talking about well, Johnny, do you think that this... Are we in the death throes of uh, the majority of physical media? Do you think this is the last generation where we're actually a physical media? Absolutely. I mean, I don't know if absolutely are. I, I hope so. Because it's... Re- like, 
yeah, there's still Blu-rays and stuff. Like there's some, you know, hangers on and, you know, there's uh, like CDs. People still buy CDs, I guess. But when was the last time you bought a CD? Years ago. And I, I yeah. liked, I thought I would like be physical till I die on music. And even I listen to my music on YouTube mostly now. So. Yeah. It, well, there's just a convenience factor and storage is, especially when your game collector is at a premium. I would also love for all of this just to be a finite, like, end. this is the end of physical games. We have to do this other thing now. Uh, but I, I think we're getting close, especially as games get bigger and bigger and then if if loading from a disc becomes too slow and you can't do like you know if you just bought all of your games digitally and you could like or have if everything was like subscription models you could have like pre-installs that don't install like the last line couple lines of code until the day like then everyone can be playing day one i think there's a lot of benefits to getting to this future um, I think it's probably within one or two generations because I don't I don't think kids now care. I and GameStop uh, hasn't exactly been successful lately, uh, despite what their, their stock price is. Two hundred dollars. I mean, come on. Well, but despite <laughs> what it did, but that doesn't mean they're a successful company, right? That doesn't mean they're making uh, money hand over fist right now or anything. Um, you know they were a major proponent of keeping games physical and the idea that kids were like, Oh, I, I need to be able to sell back my games. Cause that's the only way it's value. But now those people who are like looking for value in games, like, Oh man, I need to be able to have a lot of games. They're just getting game pass, which is an insane value, right? Like if you get any of these services, you're just paying like your 10 or $15 a month and you have hundreds of games to play. You don't need to be able to sell back your $50 game for $14 to GameStop so you can get a little bit of money back to help you buy the next $50 game. You don't need that anymore. I think yeah. those times are dead. So, uh, you know, I think the people who had that argument, I, I still think they're going to be there and you're going to be people like, I need to own the things I want to own. They're going to exist, but I think that market is shrinking and I think kids don't really have that mentality anymore like because they have so many better options than we had. I also think Every year, the value of, of entertainment is shrinking just because we have more options and more of them are cheap and more of them are free every single year. It is great. Like Halo, Halo Infinite, like the multiplayer in that is just free. That That's ridiculous that you could have yeah. such a, a AAA title like that just completely free with like what cosmetic DLC probably. Yeah. Well, what was the EA games that they were just like, here's all the Tomb Raiders. Just go play them. These are awesome. Oh, that's epic. Ep like Epic is just burning money, giving away free games every week. Like one of the more recent ones, they gave away the three. I don't know if they're the most recent or like the one away from the most recent. The three, three modern Tomb Raider games, just completely free, all at the same time. Like what? That that's got to be at least like what sixty hours of gameplay value if you're actually playing them. I know a lot of people just click add them to their account and don't play them. But for a person who's actually looking for gameplay value, like you can get free or incredibly cheap gameplay in, in a lot of places right now. And I like those Tomb Raider games. I like them all. I mean, that's, they're good. If you like, uh, if you like some Tomb Raider-y, Uncharted-ish action, you like that style of game, these are perfectly acceptable games to be playing. So that's like a super, like free is a great value, uh, especially when the games aren't like horrible and in fact are pretty good. So yeah, I just, I, I would think within the next generation, I think 
we'll, we'll probably be moving away from physical media. And I think, especially with the way the license holders have their games now, I think there's just better models for them to make their money. The, what what they tried to do is they tried to like put in this like these codes that were uh, like the first person who owns this game gets something cool and I don't even remember anymore like what map packs or something in the Call of Duty you games get that like you get. a map pack you get an exclusive outfit a lot of it was cosmetic nonsense yeah but now you boot up a game and it's like well here's a you get like a, a little intro screen it's like hey here's here's all these ways new ways this week that you can give us money so it almost doesn't even matter. If uh, if you have a used game anymore, it's not just like this one time map pack thing. It's like you boot up a game every time you have a chance to spend money with them. Look, especially now that every game gets like when it's got a bunch of DLC, just gets a game of the year edition for like twenty dollars that has all that content, which only costs like two or three dollars. Then like also, who cares? Unless you're a collector and you need that little card in there. Sure. Um, so. I, I think we're probably in the last generation of physical games. I, Nintendo does their own thing. I wouldn't be surprised if the next Nintendo console has uh, some kind of physical media. I mean, it's definitely whatever Nintendo's next console is. I have no idea what it is, but it, it's definitely going to have a digital only version. Was there ever a digital only Switch or DS or anything like that? No, I don't think so. There was a digital DVD like player. Could, could we even play DVDs? Uh, later versions could. The Wii oh. U. Uh, the Vita didn't have, or the Vita had one, I think, that didn't have a physical drive. And, uh, yeah. And the PSP TV, I think, didn't have a drive, right? Yeah, but that, that was kind of its own thing. All right, Johnny, so we are, we're in the future. So regardless of what happens, whether it's five years away or 12 years away, we're, we're at the death of physical media here. I, I think so, yes. It's already here, Johnny. Besides all the ones you've listed, we have a... A landmark home console that's already doing it. So, uh, it's it's the Intellivision Amico, by the way. A console that was supposed to be released no matter what at the end of last year. And I'm pretty sure no one has an Intellivision Amico still. Johnny, we're here in the future of game collecting. And Intellivision Amico is trailblazing it. I want to talk about what this future is going to look like over the next 10, 20 years. I'm sorry. I don't have any predictive models about the future that include the Amico. Uh, what? What? Johnny, this is going to be a rare collectible because no one's going to have it. Oh, sure. Um, should we go into some of the other like British micro computers that no one has and that aren't rare collectibles? Hmm. Well, if you go onto the, the Rare and Obscure Game Console Facebook group, you can see a whole bunch of stuff that I have 100% never heard of. Yeah. I like that Toys R Us R-Zone. Super collectible. I got uh, three, four more months and then we could do an episode on that, Johnny. Just doing just the R Zone episode. Hold your horses. Okay, so go, I mean, go on, go on with this crazy ass line of topic here. Like, what? What do you mean? Uh, try to justify to me what the Amico is doing. <laughs> I I can't justify what the Amico is doing, but I could say what the Amico is doing. If anyone doesn't know, the Intellivision Amico is a digital only console, a theoretical console. It. it kind of looks like crap and may, might not release who knows but they already released games for it and you could buy so this there's a lot of weird things i don't even know where to start so these games first of all they are an nfc card not nft um so you scan the card on top of the console and it basically tells the console to go to a url to redeem the game so it's a little license that you uh you redeem and it puts it on your console and it comes in this so nice. It has some physical media. 
to in order to play your game. No, it's the, it's just a fancy DLC code. It is not physical media. If if their Intellivision servers ever go offline, you lose access to download that game. So it is not physical media. If if <laughs> if when, in when, five years you will when, not be able to use these Intellivision NFT when, cards anymore. When in three years this the if is if it ever comes out. And then the when it dies is after that. Let's let's get our language correct. Yes, and then so it comes in this nice little box, and then they also include a, a little like aluminum coin or something just to make oh, you nice. feel good for getting the physical version. But so this is already something that uh, you would buy at a markup because it's not just you're getting the game now and you're getting a little coin in this nice little package. But even that wasn't enough for them to think that they would be able to sell these. So I think there were like 10 or 12 games and you had to buy them in two bundles. You had to buy like five or six games in a package at a time. You couldn't buy the individual games that you wanted, which is very strange, but they're basically just catering to the idea that anyone who wants one of these is a collector and they're going to want all of them. So why are we even screwing around letting people just buy the good games? Let's just force everybody to be a completionist. Because so everybody these, is just a set collector for this garbage system. I mean, I guess when there's only 12 games, they're just assuming like, yeah, everyone will want all of them. Um, but it's just so tailored towards the collector market that it's basically not even considering that someone would just buy an individual game, which I thought is is pretty interesting. Um, but I think that'll probably be the future of, of physical products, as they're called. Um well, I mean, I, I think we're already starting to see stuff like this even before them. We So the Xbox has, uh, or the Xbox One had a bunch of games that came out where it was just the digital code. But how they tried to get you, it came in its physical case. And these were Best Buy only exclusives. It came in the physical case. It had a code in it. And it had a special coin. So this is before all this. And these were a bunch of Xbox One games. Like, you could get Star Wars uh, Jedi Fallen Order like this. And a bunch of other ones. Like Wolfenstein. There's, like, all the top-tier games had this coin system through Best Buy. And you could collect these series of coins, even though you were just buying the digital product. And they... So these versions, like, Wolfenstein doesn't have, like, a disc release? I mean, it does. But, I mean, this was... An alternate, if you were buying, like, if you didn't want to have the disc and you want a fancy way to sell you a digital code, which I'm, I'm saying it's just a model of, like, Xbox is already, like, trying out things to sell you games without a disc yeah. and what that's going to look like. That's interesting that they also went with coins. Are people just suckers for coins? Are people just idiots? They're just like, oh, shiny. <laughs> people have been putting coins in games for a long time. So tell, you know what? I've... I'm looking at my shelf. I've got my Oblivion Collector's Edition. It comes with a Septum coin. It's like a beefy coin. It's a nice coin. I, I got that. I'm like, well, this this 60 or $70, whatever I spent on this, this was worth it. But I mean, if it comes with, if like a coin comes with every game, it kind of, I don't know. What am I doing with these coins? I'm just keeping them in the case. You get a fancy album and then you put all of your coins in your albums and you're like, look at me. I'm such a good collector. I mean, but it doesn't really matter. It could be a coin. It could be a stamp. It could be anything you want. It could be a card. Like, look at a limited run. Like, imagine that they just sold the case and then they put one of their special cards in there instead of the disc. It was like a download code. And then you got one of like three cards, which could come in like three different frames. You could get this one like 
uh, you know, you're getting Bang Brothers or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, yes. Bang Bros. <laughs> That's it. Bang, bro- Bang Brothers or whatever it is. Uh, hope hope uh, that goes okay with everybody. Anyways, you could get this game, right? And you could have the card and it's like, oh, this is just the plain one. And then there's like, oh, this is the foil one. And then this is like the metal frame one, which they've already experimented with. Now imagine like their model now just looks like this. I, I just think that's the way new publishers are going to start putting stuff out. You've seen some games on like PS4 um, for big downloadable games. Like, you know, they were popular download only games where they have endeavored to sell you physical media already where um, uh, Hollow Knight, right? And Ravel, they sell you and you see a bunch of these. They come with a plush. They come with a code and it's wrapped up in a big box. Like you're buying the collector's edition of the game. But there's just a code in there. That's it's not really the game. So I, I understand we're in this this kind of area where like I don't know some five percent of games come out in this download code only thing, and everyone's kind of trying their own thing, whether it's a card or coin or this big huge box with a plush or that that like Neverwinter Nights Baldur's Gate set you got that was just a box of junk. Uh, that wasn't a download oh. code though, was it? But no, it was basically was just a box of junk discs. separate from the games. Yeah. Um, I, I can't imagine a future. I mean, this could be the future. I can't imagine a future where I walk into a Best Buy and it's not all uniform cases on a shelf. Like, I can't imagine just like every single game like, OK, this is Hollow Knight. It comes with a plush and this is Call of Duty. It comes with a coin and, and this is something else. It comes with a trading card. I have to imagine that if we do live in the, the post physical media world that. To entice people to collect, like, sets and, like, to feel like they're building a collection, they would want something to be uniform. But, I mean, I don't... Maybe this this world I'm trying to imagine isn't how things are going to go, but... I don't think we're trying to get people to buy sets, right? I, like, I think you invest, like... I think Xbox looked at that, and that's, I think, what the coins are like. If you said this was a series of coins, like, you know, if all the coins are uniform, that's the uniform thing. Um, all the boxes were uniform for that. I, I mean, I just... I think people are trying figuring it out, but I think the point is these companies know that physical media isn't going to be here to stay and companies, and they know they have partners uh, like Best Buy. And they're like, how do we, how do we keep these people in business? Like if you go into target, they don't give a shit. They just got digital codes on pegs and they're just like, here you go. Buy the digital code if that's what you want. And lots of people do. But are we just going to walk in? So we're going to go basically back to Toys R Us. So instead of, picking out the slip from the the little blue sleeve it's you're not going to get a box at the end they're just going to like print your dlc code on a receipt but that's not going to appease the people who are like physical till the day i die yeah no that's i i don't think i think that's where we're, i think we're going to move to that area of like most of the, like they're just being codes and pegs as an option um for only the biggest titles because they're not going to print it for everything that comes out and then you're going to see this separate model uh, for all the biggest titles like that, and they're going to have these like weird collector's editions, and they're going to be the collector's edition for the forever physical people, you know, because even the forever physical people have a bunch of like download games, and they're all like, oh, I love this game. I hope it gets a, gets a physical copy, and that will be what these like editions are for those people. Like, oh, finally, I got my physical copy. It's not really a physical copy. It's just a case and like a plush. I don't know. Is it? Is it just me? I mean, I'm I'm a pretty big collector. I don't know if you've heard Johnny. Um, but like, I've not. I, I've, are you? How many games do you have? I can't imagine everything not being unique. Like when I look at like w- 
what a Nintendo collection looks like in 10 years, whatever Nintendo's new console is in 10 years. Like, you look at a Switch collection, it's all these, it's just a wall of red, everything looks the same. I can't imagine it being this mishmash or a bunch of download cards that you took off pegs sitting on a shelf. Like, there are more than just hardcore collectors who like the look of a shelf full of games, and I think they're going to have to keep that somehow, even for, like, just casual people who like physical media, not even hardcore collectors. I mean, obviously, they don't have to cater to set completionists and these crazy people who are buying every single Switch game the day it gets released. But I think you're they're going to have to let you make a display on a shelf of some kind. Or, if it's trading cards, make a, a binder of trading cards or something. Because, I, I mean, cards are hot. I don't really understand trading cards. What if... Nintendo starts including a trading card and it's not the same trading card with every game. You get like different parallels and rarities. And like if you buy Animal Crossing, you might get a numbered out of 100 Animal Crossing New Horizons 2 trading card. I I think I think that's absolutely that's what I was saying. Like you're going to get like these different frames and like that's the way they're going to entice you to buy more and to trade and like how you have a better collection than someone else. I think that's the kind of stuff that's going to be happening. Also, just talking about Nintendo's uniformity for the Switch, that like wall of red. Yes and no. It is all red, but have you seen all of the like weird box types? But uh, yeah, so there's so much garbage. <laughs> but could you imagine every game being like that? Because in that world where you're no longer getting physical media and they have to be like, well, you're not getting physical media, but here's a Hollow Knight plush. Like, I can't, like, everyone would have to provide something different. I'm not going to want a plush for every single game I buy. I'm not buying Funko Pops here. Okay, so imagine this. Here's what I think happens. So you're going to have this big, horrible box, and it's going to have all this dumb shit in it, but then there's going to be a steelbook, and that's the thing. Oh, my God. (laughs) Did you see the Hong Kong Christmas Nintendo steelbook? No, I didn't. What was it? Uh, I don't remember how. Maybe it was just something you bought. Um, is somehow in Hong Kong, Nintendo distributed a holiday steelbook. I've no, I didn't look into it at all. The the exciting news was that they made it available for purchase in America. It might have just been available for purchase in Japan. So it's got uh, like holiday themed Nintendo characters on a steelbook with nothing in it. So oh. it's a forty dollars steelbook that's empty, and you just buy it, and you have a steelbook. The fuck do you do with you put like another game in there? Do you put your favorite game in there? What is the purpose of it? It lives on a shelf and it's like, well, it was something that Nintendo put out and not a lot of people are going to have it because it's this Hong Kong exclusive thing. So I've got this Nintendo random steelbook now. Is that it? Is that its whole purpose? Yeah, this thing is weird. I'm looking at it. What is this? What? (laughs) This is like the... (laughs) <laughs> download only games that come with steel books like yeah it, are steel like well, hold on no it don't like i thought it was gonna be like remember they they sold those ds cases that were like that too but you could fit like 10 ds games in it or whatever yeah on uh, each at side. least that makes sense in some yeah. kind of of utility but this is sense. is not that this no. is just oh man did you buy one no, I didn't buy one, Johnny, because what am I going to do with that? Also, man, cutting myself off from buying Switch games, just like, I'm not, like, collecting Switch hardcore, so I don't have to think about, like, oh, FOMO, all this random limited stuff. It's been excellent. Recommend it to everyone. Ooh, I don't know if that if you can do that. You're going to have to... I'm going to need you to go buy this holiday steelbook. Mm-mm. I'm, like, please, Mario, please Zelda, Metroid, and, like, I'm not even... I didn't even buy the Mario Party. I don't have Super Mario Party, I don't think. 
How? I am You're the biggest Mario Party fan I know. Johnny, look at the prices of Wii U games. Switch is not going to last forever. <laughs> in 10 years, I'm going to be picking all this shit up for like $7 because Switch will be so dead and over once the I, new Nintendo comes out. I don't know. Out. There's going to be so think, much of it. I think you're going to be surprised about the collectability of the Wii U. Uh, shut up, Johnny. <laughs> uh, that might be uh, the next episode even. Who knows? Uh, do, do another Wii U episode. Look forward to skipping that one for all you people who pick and choose your episodes you mean listen intently about the hottest new collectible on the market uh, that isn't a happy holidays steelbook with like mario and yoshi and peach and winter gear is it still available for purchase you should get one uh, at nintendo stew soup which i don't know what that is but that's where you buy it i don't know what it is either maybe they're it's just like, some guy who imported them and selling them for 40 bucks and that's why they're so expensive yeah, I, I don't know, but um, I don't think they ship to America, do they? So. Good I, luck I, I don't know. John, John, I, I don't know about this holiday steelbook thing. <laughs> I want to talk about what we're going to see. Are we going to see serialized video games like. Uh, like one on ones? Like, uh, are we going to start yes. to get numbered editions? I mean, there are serialized limited editions. Like, already. Command yeah. and Conquer. Three, I think I, I have a serialized Command and Conquer three that I got back in the day, but like, what if they do that with every game? They just turn games into trading cards. I, they're not going to do that. But goddamn, that would be so much fun. I, I, I mean, I, I would do that not on the case or anything. I would do that on a card in the case, just because like what it, it damaged, like recreating that individual one would be a pain in the ass for all that stuff. I would just have the. The card be the serial item. Yeah, I mean that that that's I mean, more realistic. I want yeah, some... I want to see Nintendo put like a, a a game card or whatever. Well, no, that would be physical media, right? Yeah, I guess it would have to be a trading card in the case then, huh? Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, you're not gonna get numbered cards. Like, I mean, yeah, I guess you could do a, a numbered like spine or whatever. But that like even limited run hasn't started doing that yet. So. When Limited Run starts doing that, that's the more, like, those are the people, like, applying. That's, like, a different collectible market. That's, like, driving sales for alternative versions. We're talking about catering to the people who still want physical media, even though physical media is dead. Yeah, and I think, so, Limited Run, like, they, they have the bulk of the market. Like, they could put out anything and people will have eyeballs on it. Some of these, like, startup guys that are competing with Limited Run, I think, will... They have to start doing gimmicks like these. Their, their only gimmick can't be like, we make fewer games than Limited Run. We only printed 999 of this indie game no one has ever heard of and you didn't want until we told you there were less than a thousand of them. Like that that can't be a gimmick forever because eventually once everything is that rare, like nothing is that rare, so nothing matters. But if they only print 999 and there's a one of one, there's a one of 10, there's a one of 100 and everyone else gets the garbage, like then it's like, oh. Well, for $35, do I want to roll the dice for Waifu Uncovered if they only made 999 of those, Johnny? And get the one of one. Oh, man, I would so be all over that game if they only made 999 of them. Or 6,900, or 6,969. That's the number of Waifu Uncovered that they would have to make. Great, perfect. I also, Johnny, so what is what are the rarest modern games? Like, uh... Is it like a thousand for like some of these these knockoff limited run game companies? Well, I mean, doesn't like limited run like Poop Slinger like aren't those the rarest? Uh, that's like limited rare games, um, which 
guys, it's limited run. It'll come out. That is limited run. It's a joke. They have claimed that like 84 poop slingers have sold. First of all, that is a claim by a company that makes jokes and lies all the time. And there's more than 84 that have been produced. Like 1 million percent there are more than 84 copies. It's just they're sitting somewhere. So that's a that's a really weird thing. But yeah, you're right. So those are probably technically the ones yeah, with the least was, copies available Like the right holiday now. ones. There was like the April Fool's one and stuff there. There's a bunch of these like, but more in the mass produced <laughs> limited, less of the jokey ones, more the the ones that people could theoretically have actually obtained. Yeah, I think a thousand is the number or 1500. Like um, those Vita games where there was only 1500. Uh, in fact, they just did, uh, what was that? They just released a zombie game for the PS4 that was like limited to 1500. So, uh, in this, in this post physical media world where things are are download cards and, you know, it doesn't really matter if you have this huge release, uh, a huge physical presence, I will say, I want to see more like super limited games. Uh, so do you know, you know, hero trade number one comic Tom talks about it all the time, obviously. Yeah. What's the print run of hero trade one? Was it like two or 300? I want to see a video game that they put out. And it's like, they're not going to do this with, you know, Assassin's Creed, Call of Duty, but there'll be a game that's like on the cusp of like, yeah, we don't really need to to put out a physical release of this, but to make some money, why don't we just put out a thousand special downloads or no, a hundred special downloads, something like just super limited, just charge like 500 bucks for it. Collectors are stupid. I want, I want more people to cater to just like the stupid market because sports and comics, they, they, they have it down to a science and I want... I want you, the, the manufacturers to cater to just people who are willing to spend money because the the audience who is is collecting and, and spending money on games is only getting older. And, you know, I uh, here I'll, I'll, I'll reveal what uh, now that we're a little into the episode, what kicked me off looking at Turtles and Time prices. I saw a listing for a three hundred and forty thousand dollars Turtles in Time for Super Nintendo. Uh, so oh. if there are people in this market for unlimited money video games then surely they can uh, they can squeeze some more more than seventy dollars out of some of the rest of us. Well, you know what's crazy about that is like okay, so but you already have a bunch of games that like limited run and stuff that I've done that are super limited that aren't that crazy in price that are like new. You also have like uh, the Nintendo Store stuff for the Wii U. Why aren't those worth more then? If if someone thinks they can offer three hundred forty thousand, is that like is this the world we live in where people like? I mean, you have it in the in the doc, but like, do you think we're going to get to the point where collectibles are going to get so weird and like the print runs are going to be so small that people are going to be day one buying them and like, um, like trying to get them graded? Or is this the future we're living in? I don't know. I mean, I think if they do release like some DVD case with a download in it, like I think they've already done that with Fortnite and like people grade them. So I I bet people do. I mean that that would be a weird market. I think that would be a really small market. I don't know, but uh, I mean it certainly happens with things like cards and and games. People get well, the comics, newest cards, rip them, and just send them all to PSA. I mean, so many people would just buy like the newest release comics and just send them off. Yeah, they're just like, yeah, just send it. I know it's going to be a nine eight right now, so now's the time to send it. Um. Yeah. I mean, that's that's going to be weird. You see, it's it 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 depends on on what the uh, what the media ends up looking like at that point. Like, I think grading an empty case with a download code in it is super dumb. I think grading almost anything, well, you know, like, 
the more you, the more I think about it, like the more like, like creating anything modern, just it doesn't matter. Everything is so fucking mass produced now. Like, what the fuck does it matter, Johnny? But um, uh, there are some people already who think that the games that just come with codes right now are already collectible, and they're after those games because they think that there's going to be some value there. There is a bunch of games for the Switch that, uh, on top of the box, it says, you know, no yeah. game inside, code only. And they've got, like, this white strip across the top that, to, that's the only way you can get it. Like, there's, like, a James Pond like that, that you can get that does this. So, I, you know, I don't know. The world's a weird place. I, I, you know, clearly they're testing out these markets. They, like... Do do we think though that any of these publishers, any of the big publishers, actually want to get to a point where games are like that? Because games cost so much money to make, you need to be able to sell them on mass. So, do you think that we're actually going to move into a world where they care about the forever physical people, or do you think it will only move into like they're like you know limited run and already have these models? So, do you think? They're going to embrace the, look, your games don't have these drives, so let us take this and package the weird special editions and do all this weird stuff that we're already very good at doing, and then sell uh, physical packages for your non-existent games. You're asking if they would go to something like limited a limited-run games model? I don't think so. I don't. No, I don't like- think the publishers, I think they will offload it to other companies to do that, or they will find that they will like it's so successful that they will just make their own version of that. Yeah. Like Nintendo specialties or whatever. And like, you know, you go onto the Nintendo site and you buy whatever it is, the hot new game that's going to come out. Here's your like special edition of the game that comes with the special card and these other things. And your download code will send you your download code in your email. So you can play the game on day one. Don't worry about it. I think, I mean, there's going to be enough people that are, you know, in their 30s, 40s, and 50s buying these games that are going to just, they're going to want to have something in their hand, even though we live in the the digital future, that the companies are going to do this kind of thing on their own. But in terms of, like, the weird, like, limited, like, oh, let's see what we can do kind of stuff, uh, Konami recently, uh, just the other day, wild. they're like, hey, we're making 14 Castlevania NFTs, and it's just, like, 14, there's 14 non-fungible tokens. It's not like there's a thousand of each of them. They're just going to auction them. And they're going to be like, I don't know. We're going to we're gonna do basically nothing and see how many tens of thousands of dollars we can get out yeah, of it. Yeah, you, you, if you want to put up the money, can have bat versus axe. Um, you can, like, bat, to be clear, bat versus axe is a small video clip of uh, of just someone playing through the first level of Castlevania and killing the final boss with an axe. That is one of the 14 different things you can buy. Wow. Yeah. It's going to yeah, be great. Uh, and if you don't understand why they're, why that's like an iconic scene, it's because that's basically the Castlevania tutorial. Look, you get these weapons, which work really well against specific enemies, like a bat in the air, this axe that goes up. So now you have that moment forever. You can, you too can capture this tutorial. So Konami, a gambling company, shitty video game company who doesn't make video games anymore, Konami. I think they're clearly willing to try this weird stuff, but like Capcom has Street Fighter NFTs. I think they they could be doing something weird and digital in the future. And Capcom's NFT strategy, if you can call it that, is completely different than Konami's. 
because Konami made 14 and Street Fighter NFTs, there are there are hundreds of thousands or millions. I, I didn't get an exact count, but wow. there's clearly over hundreds of thousands. Like you can you can go spend like five cents and get like a shitty Street Fighter NFT if you wanted to. And I don't think like like NFTs specifically will be some kind of future for games. I mean, maybe they'll have some weird component. I who knows who knows what anything digital will look like in 10 years compared to how crazy things have gotten over the past 10 years in terms of how things have changed. Um, but I think companies are definitely willing to do, uh, weird, risky stuff like this with new I mean, I, I think we're going to see more of that. That's why I think you're going to see more in-house, like weird specialty companies coming out of them because they're, they're just going to have divisions that are dedicated to this as they move away from physical media, especially as they find new ways to, you know, capitalize on their existing markets. So I do have a question for you just on NFTs. Are NFTs always just like a video screen, like is it always a small video clip, or is it sometimes a still image? It is an NFT. The way it, like ninety nine percent of NFTs are essentially a URL and then a little thing that says who owns it. So it doesn't matter that it's a video clip. It could be a link to a video. It could be a link to an image. It's just a link to something. Okay. I, there could be some small amount of data encoded in it as well, but uh, it's basically just a link most of the time to a video or a picture and that, yeah, that thought- picture is stored on someone else's server so if the server hosting those 14 nfts ever goes down then it will just be an nft that points to nothing oh that's cool so here's my idea for nintendo okay okay nintendo here's your nft strategy if you're listening the overworld map to zelda every one of those like pix like pixel squares like if you broke up uh you know the very first screen that you see on Zelda, which is, you know, Link standing in front of the, you know, cave entrance and, you know, the the couple of the rocks and the trees. If you broke that up into like, I don't know, uh, what what is that grid length? Is it like 12 by 12 or something? Like Okay, so you're talking about little, each actual screen of the world map? Yeah, yeah. So you break those up into NFTs, each like break the screen yeah. into uh, an amount and you do that for the whole overworld map. So if you bought enough NFTs, you could make a full image. And then uh, you, you're you selling pieces of uh, the world of Zelda for uh, the original. And then you do the same thing for Super Mario World 1-1, no. which is, you know, very iconic. I mean, okay, so you could do that. But I think, uh, first of all, I'm in. I'm buying, I'm buying a Zelda NFT. And I think that they should limit it. To just one of each overworld tile. So if you oh, don't yeah, get yeah, absolute, you don't absolutely. get that like that first overworld tile, if you don't spend a hundred thousand dollars in that, you'll never get it. And that's <laughs> what I'm saying. That that's like everyone has to buy this. Like you might have the shittiest corner of the map, but if you but get you a got, couple you of got them, a corner. You, yeah, you got a corner. And that's what I'm saying. Like it's limited to just those. So I, I think I forget how big the Zelda world map is. I once had like I knew how many screens across it was, but how many screens up and down, all broken into these twelve by twelve things. So that 12 times however many screens, that's it. And Nintendo would make so much money, it would be stupid. It like That is a super dumb idea that offers no value to anyone, and it is literally a multi-million dollar idea. Like, Nintendo doesn't need millions of dollars. They would probably tarnish their brand by being associated with, like, crypto speculation and all that garbage. But they would easily make millions of dollars by doing that. That's what I'm saying. Like, you get the Zelda overworld map, you get Super Mario World 1-1, see how they go, those are your pilots, and see if you need to make any more. But, like, Series 2, uh, all the Zelda dungeons, then, and all the yep. Zelda interiors you start selling. And that's why I'm saying, yeah, yeah, like, that's, you can do that's it your start. Forever. <laughs> yeah. 
like you could go super deep like and do uh you know the Zelda you know world you know the the flip world after you beat the game like could you imagine that people don't even know what those maps look like they're letters mostly so you guys know but uh yeah you could have that you could you're like oh i bought uh, the dungeon that's a, shaped like a z so that's cool uh, i bought the dungeon that's shaped like a swastika oh, oh don't <laughs> don't look at uh, uh, a zoomed out views of zelda dungeons guys yeah it's an eagle <laughs> it's an eagle tyler oh okay <sighs> Which is also like related to Nazis and also America, but yeah, not great. It's not a great look. Um, anyway, yeah, that that that's my idea for Nintendo. And you could start doing that with like Pokemon. Could start doing that. Could you imagine when is Pokemon doing this? Like when are all the original Pokemon's going to be their own NFTs? And you have to just bid on that first Gen One each Pokemon. Could you imagine only one of them existing? <laughs> I How much money would that make? Like, people are so desperate to find, like, some next big thing, NFT thing, that, like, you look at the NFT projects, they're all so dumb and stupid and low effort that, uh, m- like, something like Pokemon or Zelda would, like, absolutely, like, demolish the crypto world in terms of, of how much money people would be willing to spend on it. But I think companies like that like especially pokemon which is such a kid focused thing are not going to do anything like this until stigma is gone from uh from crypto and nfts which seems like it will probably either never happen or is a long time away before that uh becomes a thing okay so you want to hear you want to hear a way to layer the money making for pokemon yeah okay watch it okay so you're playing pokemon go right uh you know how you can earn event tickets to go to raids in pokemon So the only way to get a ticket in which to enter the auction to buy the NFT is by playing Pokemon Go. No, they so they would need like crypto whales and the crypto whales aren't going to do that bullshit just to bid on something. So what are you talking about? No, no. So look, they need the crypto whales, but then all the people playing Pokemon Go, you have all those people playing intensely to get those tickets that they could then sell on the secondary market to people who need that. You are, you are turning like video games into a job, which is what all these stupid NFT games are doing, which is why they're bad. Yeah, no, they're, they're all stupid. And I just thought, how could I be as dumb as them? And how could I make it harder? So yeah, that's all I want to do. Just layer the money on top of each other, just further embed it. Um, I think what's actually happening is probably money laundering. Money laundering. Johnny, I'm just saying I, uh, money laundering because just I, say money that's, laundering. Yeah, yeah just, Evidence, just say money laundering. Money laundering. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Inside jokes, guys. These are the jokes. I know all these companies like Ubisoft and EA are like, NFTs are coming. We're going to provide value. And you look at Ubisoft's NFTs and they're like, if you play 600 hours of our game, you get a mask and it's an NFT, I guess. And that's cool. Uh, I'm wondering if it's a fad like Toys to Life. And in five years, everyone will look back and be like, that's cool. I don't need a Spyro figurine anymore now. I'm on to the next thing. Well, don't you need a spy? Look. How many people mailed off and just bought a bunch of Lay's chips so they could get the mini Skylanders? I don't even know what you're talking about, but I bet they're worthless now. Uh, so Frito-Lay had a partnership with Skylanders, and they had like these mini Skylanders for a brief period of time where you could then send in like enough chips and then pay like the shipping, 
and you'd get some toys. So it was very reminiscent of like back in the 80s when you would mail away for a toy. Great. Mad Mini Skylanders. I don't think they're worth anything, but I don't know because who's checking in on Skylanders right now? Yeah. I mean, and that could be all this NFT shit in five years. Yeah, that's, um, uh, yeah. I was but just I mean, I know, send joke. your hate mail to me. I, send your hate mail to me, guy who's saying this, only person on Collector's Quest who definitely has an NFT and and thinks the technology is cool is just used for stupid, worthless bullshit right now, including yeah. this latest wave of game stuff. Like, there is a, a theoretical future where it'd be like, man, it would be so cool if a license was tied to an NFT and it was cheap to transfer NFTs because it's way too expensive on a lot of blockchains right now. And, like, that license could be used to transfer ownership of something, except what game publisher would ever sign on to the idea of digital transferable licenses? Like, they want you to be stuck with your digital garbage. That's why physical media is going away. That's why Steam has been around for 20 years, and they will never let you sell games that you already have in your library. Like, what, are you crazy? They ban NFT games on Steam, actually, because they, they want to be they want a cut of any uh, money that you're making off the those Steam games. It's true. Uh, but I mean, I also think, I mean, we, we talk about how they don't want you to be able to transfer licenses and stuff, but we, we did talk about the models in which all these companies are making and like Xbox and that, like having game pass and switch has like some really bad stuff available. Um, if you pay a hundred dollars, you get their N64, but like all these digital libraries are more present. So they don't like, I've said many times, people don't want you to own anything anymore. They don't want, they're going to let you, they're going to give you accessibility at the cost of ownership. So just um, the, um, that, and I, that's just the way I see things going. That's, does DC comics give me accessibility yet? Can I, uh, can I pay them some monthly fee to have access to just everything instead of buying things for like $2 a piece for silver age comics? I don't know what is going on. When is the future, Johnny? I'm not living I mean, in the future until I could read all these obscure silver age books and not buy them fucking individually. It's ridiculous. I thought that was DC universe for a while where you oh, could yeah, do that. Were, I forgot. Yeah. And then, and then it died. It died like immediately. Oh, is it gone? It. Yeah. So like, and that's why, because you had access to like their comics and to shows like teen Titans uh, or Titans or whatever was like an exclusive DC Universe show, and um, I think no Doom Patrol wasn't, but I think Star Girl was when it started, and then all those went to HBO Max. Okay, like all right, I'm I'm looking I'm looking at what's available on DC Universe Infinite. I'm just looking at the what pops up when I bring up their thing. So it's the most popular stuff. So action comics, 463 issues are available. So you're telling me out the gate, like already half action comics run is just not there for some reason. Uh, flash comics, one issue. I'm sure it's like flash number one or something uh, like more fun comics, five issues. I'm sure you get all the key issues, but fuck, these are stupid golden age ass books. Just give me access to them. Who is going to read these? No one's going to ever pay you anything to read the more fun comics issues that aren't on DC Universe Infinite. Just give me everything. Marvel gives you, like, fucking everything. It's crazy how much Marvel gives you. I mean, and when you buy a lot of physical comics, they still have, like, these shitty ways to, like, put codes in, which no one loves. Uh, I, I just wish you could just, like, uh, scan your comic and just be like, okay. Uh, now I can read it. Like, maybe not for, like, a month or whatever, but. I, you know, maybe these, I, I haven't looked into DC Infinite. I, you know, I'm reading like, uh, like stupid Silver Age shit. Maybe it's a good way to read modern stuff. Maybe it gets you something uh, like it I, keeps up on certain modern runs. I don't know. Um, Johnny, back to games. I think 
another thing that we see in other collecting markets that really hasn't come to games outside of like certain collectors editions is really more uh super high end and uh price differentiation. Uh, what's the word? Is it it's not price differentiation? What's the price what's the word tiers? for finding the right price for a tiers? consumer? Usually tier tiers. Like tier, but tier. There's, there's a Structure. word that means like getting the most that any consumer is willing to pay for a product. Oh, okay. And right now, um, the only way they do right that now. is by putting a stupid fucking statue with all these goddamn games. But I half the people I talk to are like, stop giving me stupid goddamn fucking statues with these games. Like it doesn't matter that you have the coolest sculpted statue in the world because I don't want to go through a console generation and if I buy all the big AAA games in the super limited format, I'm going to be stuck with like 30 of these giant fucking statues at the end and it it doesn't look good. People have nowhere to put them. If if you have your one game, if your one game is Horizon Forbidden West and you could put the that statue on a shelf, that's great. But if you're just like this super hardcore gamer who plays all the games, you can't buy the statue edition of everything and have like this warehouse of statues. So I think they need to find a way to extract the money from the people willing to pay more for Horizon Forbidden West, but uh, without necessarily giving them a bulky piece of garbage. Well, I mean, I think that's done in two ways, right? For the players, it's like a, a special cosmetic that says, look, look at me, I spent this money, I'm better than you. And then, I mean, we talked about some of the other ways they can do it. Like, I'm I'm really up for, like, the card idea. I, I just want to see people's binders of, like, I their like sweet that. special frames of, like, look at how good my collection is. And they don't need, like, statues are too big. Also, cards are very compact. Or coins are also very compact, right? And you have these binders. Nintendo's also tested out coins multiple times. Like, with the Breath of the Wild and... Like, uh, what was it? Um, Think Geek had like a special edition of coins you could buy and like, and put into a binder. So like they, they've experimented with all of this stuff. I'm just, I don't know which idea is going to win out. Um, I, I think people are tired of like big, bulky, nonsensey special edition stuff. So if you just focus them onto one thing, like this is the thing that distinguishes you. Here's your physical object. Here's your cosmetic object in game. And these are the ways you are distinguished and it doesn't take up all the room in your house. I think that would be the way to go. I mean, we already have, they definitely have like cosmetics and stuff, but they're never like super expensive. Like no one has the balls to be like, buy our $200 edition. All you get out of it is a cosmetic. Like maybe there are like MMOs or something like that that do that. But, uh, I, I, I mean, think look at, look at what people were paying for the wow, like the wow prize cards for like, do you remember there was a WoW card game, right? World of Warcraft. Yeah, back in, and like this was really treasure, old. This was a long time ago. Their treasure games or whatever, or their treasure cards—I forget what they were called—but you could find super like unique stuff that people were selling on this for hundreds and thousands of dollars sometimes. So like, it's not crazy to me that if you put something in there that was super awesome, and then you also you have to also limit it, right? It can't, this is the combination. It can't be something all the peasants can buy. It's got to be expensive enough and limited enough that, um, that only a few people get access to it. And you have to be able to, like, if it's a code, you have to be able to sell that code. If it's just like physically into your account, then it, it's worthless because it can never go anywhere else. What really. if it's an NFT, Johnny? Oh man. Oh man. Yeah. You get this special NFT. That is also um, a cosmetic. Your cosmetic is an NFT. Yeah, exactly. That's what Ubisoft yeah. is doing, I think. Ubisoft. Yeah. Um, 
but you'd beyond be crazy just like, if you think that's gonna work get it you'd what? be you'd be crazy if you think that's gonna i'm playing off their name shut up johnny <laughs> <laughs> i want to see like what's the the most expensive limited edition not like reasonable there there was like a uh saints row three million dollars special edition where you like bought an island or something like that doesn't count no. Well, there was Assassin's Creed. Was it Odyssey? One of those Assassin's yeah, Creed like games. Six hundred dollars statue. Or yeah, something. there was like nine versions. Ubisoft's like, I don't know. We're throwing shit at the wall. Someone in the boardrooms thought this was a good idea. <laughs> a lot of those upper end ones are probably rare as fuck. Because like, I, I bet the the second from most expensive one. Like, who the fuck bought the second from most expensive Assassin's Creed thing? It didn't just jump to the most expensive and prestigious one. Well, I bet like man. that stuff's impossible. Six hundred dollars is a lot, but five fifty is okay, right? Um, yeah, I don't but that, know. That's the only time I remember, even like at all, that they were like, "Hey, spend like fucking six hundred dollars on a regular ass sixty dollar video game." And I want, I think there are so many people who buy like dumb sports cards. Like video games are 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 big shit, Johnny. A lot of people pay vid- video games. I don't know if you know this, and I do. People yeah, like yeah. social media clout and and showing things off. I want people to charge a thousand dollars for a video game and see who the fuck buys it. Make just a thousand dollar Call of Duty edition, and it doesn't come with like some stupid toy night vision goggles or RC car. It's just uh, you got a, a case insert, and it's like this, it was numbered out of ten, and uh, we made we made them for a thousand, a thousand dollars each. And whoever has them has them. And then uh, if you're collecting the full set, oh, I guess you'll never get it if you didn't uh, buy our thousand dollar game. Look, I I, I think. Video games could definitely do it. There's money. There's money to be had there. Uh, there are people willing to spend. Like I said, I you have to make it limited enough. You need to make it transferable. And like, if it can affect the game and make you like, like you don't want it to be pay to win, but like that might be a thing that gets people to spend that it much money. I don't know. I mean, it could, but like, it doesn't even need to be that. Like, whatever, you can get like some fancy gold skin in, in that edition. But like, yeah. also, everyone who buys the edition is just going to keep it sealed and be like, oh, it's the edition. So, but I mean, yeah, I don't think you need to even go crazy. Like, I think if you just like put special cards in there and start like limiting it, people eventually pick up. You have to create the market. The problem is, there's no, the market isn't there yet and they don't know why it's attractive. So, their marketing team has to like really go out and tell tell you why this is great, why it's good. Get a couple people to buy in, and then like, oh yeah, we're just buying four hundred dollar games because it has these special super limited cards in it. Like I said, it has got to be limited. It's got to be transferable. And like once that cutoff's there, like you start hard in on that, and then people will start to come. Like look at Magic the Gathering right now. Do you know all their secret layer stuff I've shown you? Like look at that. People go and spend garbage. Like. They're like, oh yeah, we're uh, we're just doing constellations right now. Uh, hey, here's a basic swamp, and it's the constellation Capricorn. And every month we're gonna release, uh, you know, a new constellation, and it's gonna be a basic land. There's five of them. Give us fifty dollars for that. Uh, just like, so everyone knows, what? Magic the Gathering card game usually you spend like four dollars in a pack of fifteen cards. And they have just started releasing these little mini sets of like five special promo cards for like 50 bucks at a time. Yeah. And, and they're and all so like super cool things that you would want, but it's five pieces of cardboard for $50 right. at the end of the day. And, and for the, in this specific instance, these lands, these are basic lands, which people will just give you. They're free. If you go to a tournament, there's a, 
There's thousands of them just sitting there. You can grab a handful. They are required to play the game and they are always free. You, In fact, you can like, usually in case dire needs, I think when the only things you're allowed to proxy is a basic land, if something goes horribly wrong at a tournament. I'm so, sure they would just give you one. Well, like I said, I, I've heard of instances where something happened to all of them. So they had to like proxy a couple. Um, but that's like, that's, that's how basic the lands are that they're called basic lands. They are required to play the game on the most base level. And here they are like, Oh, we're just going to do 12 different designs for each constellation. And not all it's not for all 12. It's $50. It's $50 and you get five of the same one. And then next month you get the privilege of paying another $50 for the next one and so on. For you can pay more for year. foils too. Oh my God. They look so cool though. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I hate how much I like the secret lair stuff. Cause like the whole thing in trading cards is like, it's, is it rare? And does it look cool? And that like every secret layer is rare and looks cool. Well, maybe so many people buy them that they're not rare. I don't even know. So and that's what I'm saying. Like you, you need to like create that market and it can be done. That's why, why I'm using this like for these cards. Like if you did something like that, then like people will start to see the value in it because people are willing to pay $50 for just these cards that they can get anywhere for free. They're going to pay this $50 and that's how much basically a video game is. So of course, video games could do it. Um, I, Johnny, I want to see more thousand dollar video games. I can uh, I can give one more example. Not not I'm not like buying this shit. I just think it would be very interesting and would create a whole new dynamic. Like just look at the secondhand market for NES games. There's always been I'm gonna say a soft ceiling at like you know two thousand dollars, like over two thousand dollars, unless it's like the tippity tippity top of of some nwc some some sealed stadium events something like over more than a couple thousand dollars is just absolutely insane for a video game and now since that was like smashed two years ago people are just going on heritage auctions spending tens of thousands of dollars for shit that used to be worth nothing so i think once konami it's going to be konami and i'll bring up another example once someone breaks that barrier of like hey, we made 10 of these games and sold them for $1,000 each, then we're going to see more of it. And I just want to see that market and what it turns into. Maybe it never happens. I don't know. I don't think it happened with Blu-rays. Uh, does it happen with music? Are there are there $1,000 vinyl records because they're so rare? Uh, yes, I'm sure there are. Uh, we'll ask Lord Hardstyle Z later. Yeah. Um, and so my other example from Konami. Konami, uh, shitty gambling company that is willing to do anything to get your money. Another Pachinko. thing they did in trading cards is they released a metal blue eyes white dragon to Yu-Gi-Oh collectors and i think it came in a little frame and they charged a thousand dollars for it and i don't rem i think they made a thousand of them i wasn't like super paying attention to this but it's just one fucking trading card and it's a thousand dollars brand new and it's like it it doesn't make any sense that I don't understand it. It's not even that limited, like limited to, I think it was limited to a thousand. That's like, that seems like kind of a lot for something. That's a, a product from 2020 or 2021. Uh, but I'm sure they sold out of it. Probably. Um, why wouldn't they? I bet I, you know what? I bet it's worth more than a thousand dollars now. Does it, well, I mean, it, that's a bad example because we're in like crazy speculation times, but, uh, yeah, it's the the Masterpiece Series Platinum Blue Eyes White Dragon. It's sold out in seconds. Seconds! <laughs> seconds. Oh, my God. Why? 
Did you find out if it's still over a thousand dollars? Uh, there is like a trillion of them on eBay. What a surprise! They it looks oh, like. Oh, you mean everyone bought them to resell them? No way! Crazy! Yeah, it looks like they go for like thirty five hundred, four thousand dollars, something like that. <laughs> it's crazy to me. Everyone bought them to resell them, and there's still like a premium markup on that. It, yeah. Like I don't. It, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like, how can you just release release a product that intrinsically is just a, a card that's essentially worth nothing? <laughs> They just charge a thousand dollars for it, but because they charge a thousand dollars for it, that makes the secondary market want to pay even more for it. I mean, that's that's where we are in the market today. I mean, we're getting a little far away from like what what's hap- what is going to happen to video games when uh, physical media dies. But yeah, uh, the world we live in is everybody wants free tendies, right? Like everyone wants to buy something and then have it be worth double what they paid for it, yeah. and that's just not what the world. That's not what the world is. Most things depreciate, not just like instantly flip and gain in value. You're like, every dollar I spend becomes $5. That's insanity. And people like that should not exist. That's where hyperinflation, where everything is going off the rails is that people think that this is a sustainable idea. And and like they expect it in their collectibles. It's madness. Absolute madness. Johnny, I so. think they, uh, I think they released a thousand in Europe and a thousand in the U.S. just to double the supply. Oh my god, two hundred thousand dollars selling two thousand trading cards. Fucking geniuses at Konami is what I'm telling you. These fourteen NFTs, if they don't make at least half a million dollars off them, I will be surprised. Geniuses, yeah. Konami, just the shittiest company ever. Do it. Thousand dollar Castlevania in the next five years. I want to see it. Just and they're not going to make a new one. Konami doesn't make new games anymore. I just want them to release like an IM eight bit cartridge of Castlevania. I want them to make like a hundred cartridges and just be like a eh, hundred dollars, a thousand dollars each. Good luck, oh, guys. man. <laughs> Can you imagine if they if they do that? If they like limit a thousand dollars and they re release Castlevania oh, so in like what what is it? Um, not IM eight bit. Yeah, IM eight bit. Like they release that to IM eight bit. Like Mega Man two was released. And then I'm going to be like the asshole over there being like, oh my God, do I have to buy this for my Castlevania collection? I, I, I think they're like all that I am 8-bit stuff. I think that they're going to play with the numbers until they figure out how they can squeeze the most money out of people. And personally, I think it's going to be increasing the price to get some crazy super high-end market of things you can never get. Uh, like I am eight bit, they started out. I am eight bit Mega Man X is still in stock. They made I think eighty five hundred of them. Clearly, way too many. And but like those Earthworm Jim ones, they they put down to like one or two thousand, I think, right? And yeah, I, I don't know how many Aladdins and Lion Kings they made. I'm sure it was less than uh, less, less than, than eight thousand. So, uh, but um, but those still at Best Buy. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, Atari recently released uh, three unreleased games, and uh, they're limited to nineteen hundred eighty-three copies. I don't think they'll ever sell that many. But they're charging. Have we talked uh, about how shitty those are. Uh, how shitty are they? Well, like how their box art is all wrong and stupid, and like oh, it's not did we ever consistent. talk about that? So I don't know. <laughs> <You> can- <laughs> uh, I like this this low effort for high money thing. Are those one hundred fifty dollars each or fifty dollars each? I don't know. That that's a you question, man. Uh, so uh, let let me go bring those up. I uh, I really like these. Did you find them yet? It's Atari. Did you XP. find them yet? 
Did you find them yet? Okay. Did you get them? Yeah. All right. There are. It's fifty dollars for the the shitty poor people version, but one hundred fifty dollars for the limited edition of them, which oh, comes shit. in a bigger box with like a patch and a poster. Oh, I'm glad Boy. the boxes don't fit even more now. Thanks for making the box bigger. Why? Why? Okay. All, so only the limited editions are are limited to nineteen hundred eighty three each. Oh, get it, get it, nineteen eighty three, get it, nineteen nineteen eighty three. The thing you were making fun of is that their mock-up box art for all three games looked entirely different. Like the Atari logo was different sizes on all of them. The uh, the size of the art was different on all of them. I think they fixed it though. Did they? Oh my god! Like that. That was like some basic bullshit. It, it was. It's not like there's a lot going on in the boxes to mess up, but all of them were messed up. You're just like. They, uh, wow. yeah, like someone, uh, maybe the page said it wrong, but like someone said, like all three of these games were made by Howard Scott Warshaw, and they were not. Like there, there's just some weird stuff. I think Saboteur is a Howard Scott Warshaw game, but Aqua Venture and Yars Return are not. Anyway, um, it was. It's really bad. It's really bad, guys. Don't buy those. All right, Even I thought the base. I thought the base version was 150. dollars If they had the balls to charge 150 dollars for like an aftermarket Atari game, like yeah, they should get people's money. Just start Get ripping it. people off. That's this episode. I'm just me wondering out loud. Why are the game companies not ripping off idiots? Because yeah, fucking like, Konami's willing to do it with NFTs and trading cards. Konami, get your shit together. Stop releasing this limited run games Castlevania shit. Also, Konami with the limited run games. Man, Konami will like go at, do anything to get that collector market. They uh, will. I, I uh, want them to I, rip this, people off even more. This episode was supposed to be. What's happening? What happens to physical media or what happens to video game collectors after physical media dies? And it became physical media is dying. Here's a good way to get ripped off. Yeah. Hopefully a Konami exec is listening to this. Yeah. Um, someone, I mean, I think my Nintendo idea slaps. So, you know, the, those, the exec should take that and just make all the monies. Also, Pokemon, if you guys are listening, NFTs of Pokemon, how have you not done this? Get them, like auction them. Oh man, all the people who got to catch them all and also have big money. How is Logan Paul not going to buy that NFT? I mean, if you're going to buy like a, a monkey with snot coming out of its nose, like how much are you going to pay oh, yeah. for your fucking Pikachu? Yeah. Also, why, why is every NFT like the worst, stupidest art you've ever seen? You're just like, wow, <laughs> look at this bad art that a computer made by itself. Let's definitely sell it for a lot of money. Oh, now change the color of it. Now it's got a new color palette. More money, please. I think it's because the only ones that people care about are the first to market. Because, I mean, there must be like like a 100,000 new series of just like these trading card style NFTs every single day. So the only ones that matter are the ones that were first and the ones that were first were kind of shit. So that's just what the mind share is stuck with, right? Oh, man. I can't imagine being stuck with that stupid fucking ape with a twirly bird hat. <laughs> also... You know how much I dislike primates. Um, yes, I think they're also really good at marketing. I think. I mean, I'm sure they've made a lot of money on it, and so they could spend a lot of money marketing it with celebrities and all that. What it's like yacht something. They're I, the worst. I watch YouTube videos and people bring them up. I'm like, man, these guys are getting their NFT shit out. Even if it's people complaining about them, like we are right now, like they are good at getting people talking about their dumb bullshit. Haven't heard as many people talking about those crypto punks. I don't know what's the difference and which one came first. That's the other one that people talk about, but I think the the apes are getting more press time. Is anyone going to care in five years? No, but you know. I hope not. Anyways, 
Uh, do we have more to say on this topic? Have we just diverged so far from our we, original plan? I don't even know what this episode is anymore, Johnny. All right. I, well, you know what we haven't talked about? You brought it up briefly. Uh, the complete set of video games that could be on the horizon. Yes, I want it to be. I, I've wanted this forever. Like, it can just be done. Like, you can now know what all the video games are to buy and start doing it. You could be the ultimate completionist. You could. Uh, especially Nintendo. So eventually Nintendo, like either they're going to just stop selling physical media or everything's going to transition to a download code and collectors, like some large percentage of collectors will be like, ah, fuck that. And you'll be able to own literally every Nintendo game that came out in the US, which Dream TR has right now. But uh, maybe he does. Who knows? Yeah. Does he I think, still do this? Um, yeah, I saw him. No, I see him in the in Facebook groups, and sometimes he like he like posts want to buy stuff. I saw him like post a want to buy for like a Super Nintendo game. It was like a syndicate or something. I'm like, come on, Jason, you have a syndicate. What, what are you doing with this? What's going on in your world? <laughs> I, don't I, I don't actually talk to Dream TR. I'm just an online stalker. But uh, wondering right. what he's doing with his games he's buying. Yeah, I do want the set though. Like, I, I not I don't think I will ever obtain it, but I want it to be a thing that people can dream about obtaining. And so I think obviously uh, when that happens, like having every physical Zelda, every physical Mario, even just like the the ones on like the main Nintendo home consoles and stuff like people aren't going to be buying uh, like Mario teaches typing. I don't think like some people probably will, but uh, I think it's going to be more popular to get the full set of that because it will be a complete set at that point. Yeah, I, I agree. But do you think like, is there going to be some group of people who want starts like in five years, Nintendo's like, no more physical games, ever. This is it. Like, does stadium events get more expensive at that point? Because now, all of a sudden, there's this group of people. Like, it could be, like, five people who get, like, stars in their eyes, like, I could own every physical Nintendo game. Now's the time to do it before, because everything's only going to go up forever. As we say on Collector's Quest, prices only go up forever. Does that make something like stadium events more expensive? Maybe, but probably not. I, I think the people who want it are still going to be... The people who want it, I mean, if we're not accounting for inflation, like, yes, the cost of stadium events may go up because people are paying more money for games in general. So it'll see like the, a creep that goes along with the market. But if we're saying like it starts to like exit, like, you know, 2x in value or something because of it, I don't know if it'll get that kind of momentum. But uh, hey, you know, in Collector's Quest, we like to be wrong. So uh, buy your stadium events now before 2x's. <laughs> If so, like Nintendo, if they come out and they're like, here's the Switch 2, no physical media, then I would seriously look and be like, I got to buy Wii games. <laughs> I got to yeah. go get some Switch games. Because then all of a sudden it's like, oh, my God, there's only so many Nintendo games ever. I, I, I could own maybe not all of them, but I could own 95% of them. Yeah, I still don't know why Nintendo hasn't done a thing where they're just like, hey, it's the 30th or 50th anniversary of the Nintendo, obviously, because the 50th anniversary hasn't arrived yet. But they're like, we're reselling all the Black Box games in this special box set. Come and get them. Because if you look at things like books, they are constantly re-releasing them. Yes, but books are their own console unto themselves. You pick it up and you can use it. But like, why haven't we seen that for like video games? I mean, we've see, we see ports and stuff and like, but like, just like a nostalgia piece, like, I mean, they literally do. That's NES remix. That's their version of doing that. Cause they think they can make more money doing that than releasing Nintendo cartridges. Well, I, 
I wonder if that remains true though. Like if they did like a special limited edition on like the Nintendo store, or, like, or if they did the black box games, right. But all with gold cartridges or platinum cartridges or something, uh, you know, painted, obviously not real material, but like, I'm just surprised we haven't seen something like that. I think like the game collecting market who cares about that kind of thing is pretty small. And Nintendo makes so much money off things like Amiibo that they don't need to think about us, the the old school game collecting market. Maybe. I, I'm just, you know, I just like look at all the other media and how it's released. And like you see, just like, oh, and this is the 50th anniversary of this. So we did a special re-release of it. And uh, like, even if it's like a record. You know, like, not that many people have record players, but they did, like, a small release of, like, here's some here's some new albums uh, of this old album, and uh, you can pick it up and buy it now. I'm just surprised we haven't seen it. Uh, I mean, I wonder if that would cause, like, a spike in NES console prices if, like, Nintendo actually released new NES games. It's never going to happen, Johnny. Nintendo is too conservative of a company. They don't, that's too obvious for them, I think. Maybe. They got their, their NES classics. They would they make so much. So, you know, see, that would like eat into their digital sales, because if they make even if they make like a pretty limited, weird thing of like real NES games, then all of a sudden people are like, oh, I could I could buy an NES and start playing these games again. And that would eat into their sales of all the times they want to digitally re-release these things and make you buy it digitally. I don't think so. I think people are just in it to win it. And uh, we'll buy all of it now since we've talked about Konami a lot. Why hasn't Konami re-released the silver boxes? Like, fine, Nintendo won't. <laughs> but what about Konami? Do do they need because it's Nintendo seal of quality? Like, and the cartridges are a specific thing. Like, do they need the rights to do that? I bet they do, and that's why it hasn't happened yet. Hmm. But could you imagine if Konami did a special silver box edition and then brought in all the PAL games that never that had silver boxes over too that were like like PALCOM and all that other bullshit in uh, other territories and like but put them out in silver boxes for America. Oh man. Re-releases of those whew, with silver boxes. Let's do it. Get American I, releases. Of them. I mean, I bet, I bet <laughs> something they might think about. They probably just think they can make more money releasing like switch compilations because what do people love? People have switch games. People have retro compilations. I bet it's licensing on the card. I bet they like, because Nintendo owns those designs, like they cannot physically do that without spending a bunch of money companies that release limited run games releases other nintendo card i I guess that's true but no one yeah i don't know man i don't know i mean we could we could talk about these companies with like priceless ip like nintendo you could say like why doesn't nintendo do this it's because nintendo doesn't have to do anything and they still pull in like all the money for doing the bare minimum true Um, like of course you could you could slap pokemon and nintendo on on some stupid shit and they would print infinite money but you know what they've also done that a hundred times they made mario kart rc cars and sold them for like over a hundred dollars and you need to buy two to race them and people were like yeah i'm gonna buy the the ar mario rc cars i'm stefan reese of course i have that did i didn't buy it yeah you didn't buy i didn't buy it either i didn't buy it (laughs) uh, um okay so is this where we are? Are things dead? No, oh, I don't know. I'm not interested. See, I'm not. I think game collecting is is boring right now because um, just, you know, re-releases and, and all this junk. Uh, this is a wish list of things that I would want to see for uh, for game collecting to be interesting. Not even in the I will buy games again in the like, I could just look at the market and be like, whoo, that's some crazy shit. No, we can uh, we can move on, Johnny. I'm uh, I don't even know what this episode was. I just, I 
I follow a lot of uh, collecting categories, Johnny, and you look at sports cards and it's the craziest thing. There are like just sports cards that will be like three different levels of a box you could buy. And there's like the poor people box. There's like prism is like the normal people, normal box that people buy. And then there'll be like the high end box. It's like $500 just for one box of cards. And it might have like 10 cards in it. And it's all just pieces of cardboard. Yeah. And and they're new. It's not even like some vintage rare collectible. And people are just like, okay, this one, this MSRP was $500. So these are the exciting rare cards. And this MSRP was $150 a box. These cards are okay. And just like people go with it. And I can't believe we haven't seen more of it in games. Well, I don't think everyone still acknowledges that games are a collectible thing. People still think games are just to play. Like things like sports cards, there's only one thing you do with them, and that's collect them. Yeah. Right? And and potentially make money. So I don't think people have fully embraced that games are a collectible thing. They're getting their like lots of people have. I'm not saying that they're not acknowledged as collectibles, but I like I don't think all of the mind share is there yet, like something like sports cards is. Once you get there though, I think once people and I, I think you will see it more, as we talked about in the episode, when physical media dies then I think people will have to gamify it a little bit and then make a reason for you to go buy a box of something when the game is just a digital download. Yeah. All right. And I think that was maybe our point for the whole episode. Uh, yeah, that, that would have been uh, what we could have. Maybe the whole episode could have been about that if we had more focus, Johnny. But man, yeah. Konami's doing some stuff, right? Konami, yeah. <laughs> hey, get your pachinko <laughs> machines, your NFTs, uh, you know, your, your limited run Konami stuff. What else is coming? Hey, I got a sweater for you. You guys want to buy some clothing? Um, also, we sell drugs now. Why, why not? I, not like Does Konami drugs. sell? I would believe you uh, if you told uh, me Konami uh, sold drugs. It's, uh, it's kind of like a small little pharmaceutical branch, you know? Yeah, you know, don't worry about it. Uh, buy your Dracula crosses today. Um, all of our pills now come, uh, you know, in cross-shaped. Just so you can have it. Johnny, we're moving on to the collector's questions. Are we? Oh my God! You remembered it. You did it, Tyler. All right, round of applause. I brought it up last second. You started rambling, and I'm just I, now. I can feel like I actually had it. Kanakis asks, "What are your top ten favorite sets to collect, and why?" Our top that ten. Is too ten. many. We ten. Three. <laughs> we can use a smaller three. number. Jesus. Three. Like most people, Kanakis, you're a madman. <laughs> Ten. That's like yes, more I have than an over... episode's worth of talking. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk like uh in not very much detail. Our our top three favorites. Tower, go ahead. Uh I don't even have to pick three. I could just say NES and Sega C D are my favorite sets. I've said for a long time, like once I completed those sets, like I don't have stadium events. I don't have a lot of like the crazy rare unlicensed NES stuff. Um, and like my NES set is loose, but those two things, I completed Sega CD in 2018, I think 2019, maybe. And yeah, everything since then has been gravy. Like if push came to shove and I had to get rid of everything else in my game collection, I think I would obviously keep some of my other rare, exciting stuff on other consoles, but those would be my, uh, my two favorite consoles. Cause I do think they're some of the most fun to collect and, some of the most interesting in terms of of playing. And like Sega CD wasn't like some historically important crazy thing because a lot of that FMV stuff is not where gaming ended up going, but there's some wacky games and I think it's a fun console to play because it's unlike anything else except for kind of 3DO. 
Okay. And I'll give you Stefan Reese's answer. Uh, he would keep Super Nintendo and 3DO. That's Those true. He would only keep two. Uh, for me, as I've said multiple times, Super Nintendo, obviously, it, that's like number one. Other people don't really know. Saturn is is one of my favorite things. Not necessarily even to play, but strictly from a collector point of view, that was the first set that I've like, I mean, I said, I want to get all my Nintendo games I ever played, but Saturn was the first one I'm like, I think I could buy every game on this system. So let me go ahead and get that. <laughs> you know, like, I'm just going to go. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, know, Saturn, that sounds easy. Collector brain uh, kicks in. I mean, this is, I mean, I started collecting in 2004. I'm almost to 20 years of collecting video games, at, like, as a collector. So, yeah, I was just like, yeah, Saturn, I could do that. And I, I like, I love my Saturn set for that reason. And that's probably actually third. And I'm I'm unsure about Nintendo, um, like NES. I love my NES stuff, but I don't know I don't know if I care about the whole set of NES. I love all of my favorites there. Like Super Nintendo was always the idea of everything. NES is hard. Uh I, I do love it. I, I think it's my third one. And if I had to like go to a bonus one, a fourth one, like NES is probably actually before Saturn, then Saturn, just because there's so many games I love on the NES, but I think fourth is like PlayStation one. I love collecting the PlayStation one. I love when I finished that. I like how compact it looks on my shelves. I just think it's really awesome to look at. But if we were stripping everything else away, if I like, if I was keeping only the one super Nintendo. Hey, you don't want to fill out uh numbers six through 10 on that, Johnny. Ooh, uh, Sega CD after that. Uh, oh no, Genesis, Sega CD. Stop, just uh, Genesis. God damn it. Uh, where does Sega Pico fall in that? Probably not in my top 10. Uh, outside the top 10, also some bonus items. Virtual Boy. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going down this list. Johnny, what are the easiest sets to collect in 2022? I'm editing that to say from 2021 because this question might be three months old. But uh, oh, easiest e- sets e- to collect. Right I don't now? think you should collect the easiest sets, um, is what I'll say. Yeah, also, I, I I think a lot of sets are easy right now. Um, well, maybe not easy. Easy. Huh. What do you think? I it, Like, N64 still strikes me as pretty easy of, like, cartridge-based systems, because it's not that big. Yeah. So I I don't think we brought it up. So I was complaining, complaining. You know what I'm doing? Um, yeah. About talking. N64 prices versus Super Nintendo prices, and I yeah. I'm guessing I haven't looked into it. I'm guessing the bulk garbage on N64 is more expensive, just because more people go for the set because it's so much easier to get a set than a full Super Nintendo complete in box set. Yeah, well, I I think because there's so many games on the Super Nintendo, the middle ground still isn't very well known. And like people even, don't even try it, at that point. Yeah, they're just like, there's so many, there's 700. Um, and, and a lot of it was super expensive. I think more people tried for the Genesis set because it was more affordable. So people could like kind of get into it, especially when Nintendo stuff was all like hard to find. Yeah. But um, N64, I think was like the, hey, there's a lot of this stuff and it's still out there. So a lot of people... Just went and did it. So I think N64, like, especially if you're doing card only, is like pretty easy. Yeah. And like Wii U, but like, I'm like, yeah, if you're going to ever want a Wii U set, like, just go do it now. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's the other thing. Like, I'm talking cart, like old sets versus like a modern set. Obviously, Wii U is like the thing. Yeah. 
just I think in terms of spending money on uh, like wisely right now, I just don't think that getting like like what does a Wii U set cost? Three thousand dollars, something like that. I'm just making that up. I have no idea. Two thousand dollars. Like if I was going to spend two thousand dollars on games in a in like because I'm worried that prices are going to go up on it, I Wii U might not be my first choice compared to. I don't know some other some other like rare Nintendo thing or something that people don't have as many eyeballs on. I, I don't. Even, I can't even think of an example. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I would say definitely don't collect a set because it's easy though. Not even because like yeah. you said, don't collect easy sets. But I'm saying don't collect a set because it's easy. Yeah, no, collect I think a you set should, because rather, you love it. If if like NES complete in box, if I was ride or die NES complete in box, I would rather buy three complete in box NES games over the entire Wii U set. That's not me personally. I would rather have the Wii U set, but I mean, I think you should get the thing you like the most. Yep, absolutely. Like, buy the thing you're going to treasure and, like, you enjoy owning, not just because it's easy. Like, you could still go get Sega Pico, not too hard. Virtual Boy, not very many of them. You could just spend some money and get it pretty quick. Lots of people sell sets, especially if you want card only. There's a lot of easy sets, but don't. Yeah, card only Virtual Boy is easy. The... Uh, Jack Bros has been up there in price, hasn't it? I mean, it's always yeah, but been up when there you in only price. have to buy like fourteen games, who cares? There's there's a Jack Bros on eBay first buy it now three thousand dollars. Holy shit! Um, <laughs> right under that is brand new Japanese version for eighty two dollars fifteen sold. Yeah, uh, Japan is easy, guys. Um, except when it's not. Oh my god! There's okay. Jack Bros must be one hell of a case pack game in Japan. There are so many listings for new copies. For like I said, sixty to eighty. Uh, I said Sega CD. I meant Sega Thirty Two X. Yeah, the, I made a retro gem miner video of all like the quote unquote easiest sets to collect, and the joke is that they're all just the best sets to collect because they're small and inexpensive. So like Thirty Two X, great. Go get it. You'll yeah, feel other- really good when you're done. You'll be like, wow, I sure do have the Thirty Two X set. Yeah. Unless you believe it's part of the Genesis set, which you should, and then you just go ahead and go get those. Johnny Dork Overlord asks, what is the most interesting item you've ever seen in anyone's collection? Uh, wow. I don't know. I mean, in person or? Probably just ever. I don't, I don't go and see a lot of people's collection in person. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Like, this is going to sound weird, uh, maybe, but I don't. Like, I don't care about ancillary items. I know, like, a lot of people do. Like, a Nintendo World cabinet or Nintendo World, whatever they're called, the Nintendo cabinets, um, the Nintendo World Store. What, what is that cabinet called? Like, I forget what it's called exactly. The World of Nintendo cabinet? Thank you. World of Nintendo. Fuck. My brain. I'm sick, guys. So for, forgive my brain for being a little foggy. Um, yeah, I, I don't care about those. And I, I don't care about the signs. The, I mean, the power glove sign is pretty interesting because there's only like two of them. Like I've seen, like people have lots of interesting stuff I've seen, but I don't care about that stuff. I like complete sets. I like whoever has the most complete sets is like super interesting to me. Like I want to, I want to see that stuff. Uh, so like Dream TR's collection, I would say would be probably pretty interesting to see if it wasn't all in like weird places. Like if it was like displayed properly, um, what's his name? Uh, the last gamer. Like I hate to give that guy any credit, but I would love to just like walk through it and check it all out. That would be interesting for me. 
that's like I would love to go. Uh, you know, he who must not be named Dennis Khan. I would like to walk through his basement, you know, and and like look at that and all the signs. Like he's got a bunch of interesting stuff in there just to see. Like I find that stuff to look at. Stefan Reese has an excellent room to go look at, but like there's no one particular item. Uh, you know, it would have to be like some weird prototype or game I've never heard of. It's just my what interests me is not exactly like one specific item. It's more collections of things and like how you obtain them and kept them together yeah i i agree i think the things i get most excited for like you are generally not one of a kind things and i mean i the, like there's the whole prototype community which even those aren't one of a kind though um but uh i don't know i see like a rare game i see a, a complete in box sculptor's cut i saw on instagram today and it's just like hell yeah dude sculptor's cut manual that's a hard thing to get like obviously that's not like a one-of-a-kind thing that only you have in your collection it's the most amazing thing i've ever seen but obviously that is a super hard thing to get that completes someone's collection and uh, it's really easy to get excited when you see that if i had to pick something i mean i think just based on being the most interesting item it would have to be a one-of-a-kind thing uh frank cefaldi has a prototype super mario brothers famicom cartridge with pre-production code so it's not the final code and i think he bought it for like 200 dollars. so that's uh, pretty good uh, that's probably the coolest thing like other things i, mean, I think uh, of are are stefan's childhood Stephen's... cartridge that he found on instagram which makes no sense to me how he could have got that that's like one of the craziest things i've ever heard of um like stefan's whole collection there. yeah stefan's whole collection is like pretty interesting if you're interested in like one-on-one stuff especially if you like nintendo power stuff like that that's just like the track and field shoes because that cover i always thought was so stupid like with the the shoes on it like seeing the actual shoes was pretty interesting for me like that that's like pretty interesting there, there's lots of stuff like that the fact that like the Mega Man clay things still exist from the, that cover that was pretty interesting like the dr wiley ship like that was that's pretty cool but yeah, that's like one on one stuff doesn't like. Yeah, I like games. That's my problem. I like games. Johnny, I got one more for you. Okay, uh, one more. You've already mentioned a bunch. SNK 2D Forever. Call me Chris. That's his Instagram name. Or his, his, his stupid Discord thing says, Call me Chris. Chris asks uh, if there was a ra- Mount Rushmore of video game collectors, Johnny, who would be on it? Now. Oh. Remember, Mount Rushmore only covers like what half of U.S. history. I don't know what Teddy Roosevelt's like 1901, right? So, so we're not going to get into the super modern, maybe. Oh God! But who are the who are the fancy people? Like uh, who, Antonio oh, like, Mo- Montiero, whatever his name is, like the guy who currently holds the Guinness uh, World Record for most game no, collection. No, absolutely. I don't think he's not. on Mount Rushmore. No, he's not. A, he's nowhere. Oh, ugh. <laughs> I mean, man, that it's a hard question. I have such distaste for that, like the way it was presented. Uh, like that was like it's like me presenting Johnny's my collection. Got, he's got a lot of video games. Come on, that's a cool collection. I, a lot of I could go spend. Yeah, but I like his him being the top. Like I don't, I don't feel like his collection is unattainable to me. I feel like I could go spend five thousand dollars and have more games than him. And that's the problem. Five thousand dollars to have like what does he have? Twenty five thousand games. I think once you, to, you, I thought you I thought he point. was only a, wasn't it? I thought it was fourteen thousand was the number. Did he like? No, there's no way it's fourteen thousand. I, I I bet VGDB could beat fourteen thousand. Um, uh, maybe he could now, but he was below that for it's, a while. It's so the last count in twenty nineteen was twenty twenty thousand. So I bet it's 20, it's 
probably in the low 20,000s. I mean, but think about how many Famicom games you can still buy for nothing. Yeah, there's only 1,000 Famicom uh, games. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's true, but... I mean, if you I, really, really min-maxed it with just, like, dollar per game getting garbage, like, I just, like all the Wii does. games, all the Japanese Wii games, all the PAL Wii games, like, yes, you could easily beat it for not a ton of money, but it would still, probably hundreds of thousands of dollars to get, I don't like, want to well say 200,000 or 20,000. I don't, don't want to say it's not impressive, because it is, it's an impressive amount of games, but the display was so awkward, it didn't feel like he loved it. Like, maybe he does, and that's just the space he's dealing with, but I didn't... Like, if you are the best, you've got... You've Joy, got the look at Guinness my, Book you've of been World. in my stairs. You, I don't yeah. have a good display. You have... you. That's not true. You do have, like, it nicely set up in the space that you have, but none of his space was like that. It was all, like, weird, creeping around corners, nothing even. It just... You know, I, you know I've always had a thing against, like, people who don't, like, put some time into their display. You're spending a lot of money on games... Think of a nice way to display them. I can't do it. Like, I don't have enough room. So, like, a lot of my stuff went into boxes. It breaks my heart. But if you like, if you're going to be the world record holder, if that's your thing, then, like, I don't know. It just seems like more. Like, Last Gamer, also not a guy I love, but at least, like, he put dumb effort into his display. I don't even agree with how he displays it it's all, but dis- it's disgusting. It, if you don't yeah. know Last Gamer, uh, potentially the guy. Who, if he doesn't have the most video games in the world, he has the craziest collection who displays it publicly. And within the past few years, he took all of his games, or like most of his games, and he has a separate outbuilding that he keeps his game collection in. And he took them all off the shelf and faced them box art outwards, because that's how big the space he is. He has like 20,000 games, and they're faced box art outwards. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Can you just (laughs) imagine having a hangar full of games? Like that's Oh, man. That's like the amount of space you need. So I like let's let's hash it out because like who who is on your mount, Rushmore? Like Well, do, I think we gotta put one of the times. We're getting to four like, people. Um, okay. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick an uncontroversial choice, Gianni. I'm gonna say Jason Wilson, Dream TR is on Mount Rushmore. Okay. Why? Uh because he it was super involved in in getting all the games in uh the early or late nineties, early two thousands. And he's the guy who found all the NWCs, and he owns every Nintendo game. And he okay, doesn't need what? to show off all his shit, because everyone knows he's got the shit. <laughs> okay, yes, but in today's day and age, like, what is he... He found all this stuff for himself. Did he do anything for game collecting as a whole, other than ancillary? Like, he do was doing this stuff do for himself. Do you need to do something for game collecting? I mean, he also, I, he, like, yes. bought out defunct companies and, like, sold a lot of their, like, prototype stuff. Like, he was super active on... um assembler games and and selling like one of a kind stuff like that i i look i mean not uh, Rushmore, i mean if you're I'm, gonna argue that dream tr is not on it maybe that wasn't as obvious a choice as i thought i'm i'm not saying he's not but i'm just wondering like does he get edged out by anyone because sure there's a lot of stuff that came from him but like he's not very active he doesn't show his stuff like his lists aren't public he didn't like the Etler list is probably more important than oh, what yeah, he's done. I, I think Mike Etler could be on video game Mount Rushmore. But, or game but he only, well, but he only did it for like Nintendo. Like who, <laughs> like that's, that, that's what I'm saying. Like how but big does the scope the influence need to be? of, of Etler's list can be felt today on yes. every stupid ass Nintendo list that has two copies of impossible mission Two. there are three variants of impossible mission Two. but for, we have exactly two. Every list has two copies of it for some reason. And it's cause that's how Mike Etler listed it. 
because there were yeah, two publishers. Okay. I so I would think I could probably put Mike Etler on that list. Like I could probably I could probably be convinced of that. Well, this is a discussion. I don't have like a solid list yet. I'm just hashing it out with you. So yeah, I could see Mike Etler. Like I can see Dream TR, but I like I don't know if his public presence, like if his influence is, is felt enough. Like, do you put Dane on that list for influence? I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, he he does have a, a Wada pedigree named after him. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you put Dennis on your Mount Rushmore? No. No, because I think Mount Rushmore is more foundational than that. Like, it can't be... Like, I don't think... Uh, uh, I don't know what's like a modern game collector guy on YouTube. I don't know, but it has to be uh, someone like not, that was active before the past like 10 years. So let's, I mean, I know video game collecting is older than 20 years, but how old is video game collecting really tops 30 years? 30. So it, I would say someone from 1990 to the, the mid two thousands is where we're going to build our Mount Rushmore from. Okay. Like, and the other thing is I don't have enough knowledge about all the Atari people. Also, we're going to be interrupted here. Sorry. We were talking about, who goes on the list right. and uh, you said Dennis Khan doesn't because Dennis Khan does uh, like if we were going up to modern times with like WADA, like maybe like because of WADA that would eventually make it. But I, I don't know. Uh, I don't like, I'm not going to put someone that uh, rose to prominence in the past, say like four years up well, on Mount Rushmore already. I, I, I wouldn't say he rose to prominence in the last four years. I mean, he was prominent before that. Oh yeah, I know he was, but like his like true impact on the world was obviously yeah. Wada games. And, yes, uh, and so you can pre Wada. Everyone, the people on Mount Rushmore right. have to be pre Wada because they're founders, right? More like founders. I mean, I'm thinking of yeah, I'm thinking of older things so, in this. So does uh, Dane not count for Nintendo Age? Was that not a big enough thing? I don't know. I mean, top four just for for making a forum where everyone contributed stuff. And the problem is, we're so Nintendo biased. I, you see, I, don't, I I'm trying not to be Nintendo biased here. I've got a, I've got you, a, see, you're a gonna, maybe an underdog pick for you. Let's get two okay. underdogs before I tell you who are two people that are definitely going to make it that you're not going to be happy about. Um, one, uh, what a Nintendo Twizer. And I'm not even saying this for his contributions to gaming hit that one fucking picture. There's like two pictures oh of God. his collection, the, a collection that he sold. He no longer has this collection, by the way, but they're so prominent in game collecting that it's like, yeah, everybody knows this picture. Yeah. If you look, I'm going to look up game collect collection on, uh, on Google images. And I bet his pictures in like the top three. Oh <laughs> yeah, it is. It's number three. You know, it's the, the world record guys now the top two, but, um, it's that, so it's Nintendo Twizer's collection, and then there's that collection with, like, the games on the floor that's uh, that's full of, like, Atari and Genesis stuff. I don't even know whose collection Oh, yeah, is. I don't know who that... I've seen that picture. That picture's been, like, all over Digipress. There's, like, some pictures where, like, there's, like, a kid in it. Like, man. Yeah. That picture's super old, and I've yeah. always been like, who is this? I'm sure people know who that is. But, um... Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know about, if Nintendo about, Twizer makes Mount Rushmore, but I do think there's an interesting case to be made just because, like, literally that those collection the those collection pictures are so iconic that that's the only contribution he might need to have made. What about um, speaking of people who who made an impact? What about uh, first first world record guy? <laughs> first Michael world record Thomason. guy, the guy uh, where there's the picture of him holding his world record. Uh, no, no, Michael Thomason, the guy who like you see him. Yeah, he's it's like in his lap, and he's got a bunch of games around him. Yeah, 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 that guy. Yeah, uh, that, see, I don't know enough about him. Employee guy. 
And like he said, he sold them for a million dollars. And then, you know, I don't know. Like, and the problem is, I don't know. Johnny, uh, I've got one for just because I want to get you out of your Nintendo bias. What about Mark Bustler? This is a weird one because I know I he's know had like a meltdown says- and like maybe like something weird happened with him and YouTube. But he made video game content, old game content for like 20 years. A but that's not collect- that's that's not collecting. But he owns all the stuff he plays, so he does have a good collection. But he's not if that's not about collecting, if that's about playing, he's not qualified. Not qualified. All right. So let me tell you uh who's actually uh on it then, Johnny. I'm sorry to say Metal Jesus Rocks is on video game collecting Mount Rushmore. Um uh, I'm not really sorry to that- say that. It's just the truth. Uh, you know who else is probably on there, Johnny? The angry video game nerd, James Rolfe, is on video I, game collecting Mount Rushmore. Again, but to me, that's that's not that's not playing. That that I mean, that's playing. That's not collecting. Angry video game nerd has a collection of video games, but he is not a top tier collector on the collecting Mount Rushmore. He doesn't need to be a top tier collector. He's so influential. He has probably caused more people to start collecting games than almost anyone else, just because he's. Mm. In when did Angry Video Game Nerd start? Like the the mid two thousands when Game Trailers was a, a website that people went to. I also have some personal bias because I have never what like I don't watch Angry Video Game Nerd stuff. I'm not influenced by. I him. know, I know you 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 don't watch Metal Jesus either. But I think I mean I've seen videos they, from all these people, but they don't affect me. Those two people alone are so responsible for getting probably a generation a little younger than you who didn't grow up with this stuff, sure. Johnny, interested in old games just because they make such good content around older games. Okay. I mean, I, I can see your arguments. I don't necessarily and, you know, disagree. They've got like millions of subscribers, so there's, yeah. there's no arguing with that. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily disagree, but I think if you're going to put people like that who are influential and like form it, like the formative nature of video games, then I, I don't know how, because I consider both those people still kind of modern, especially Metal Jesus, then like, how do you not put Dennis Khan on there? I mean, this is a YouTube channel from both their YouTube channels started in the mid two thousands, the mid to late two thousands. Dennis wasn't even born then. Late two thousands for Metal Jesus for sure. Well, and he probably didn't rise to prominence till after two thousand ten. I think putting Dennis on Mount Rushmore is prematurely declaring Wada the winner of video games. It doesn't. It it does years like Wada might not even exist. They could be bought out. Does does not matter. Mike Etler does not exist as a video game collector uh, right you now you could go buy a video game from mike etler on ebay right yeah now. i know i know and we've both <laughs> done it but what i'm saying is the imp if you're talking about impact and influence right there was sealed games there was sealed game collecting before wada there's going to be sealed game collecting after and graded game collecting after but the person who really put it on the map really changed it was Wada, right? And if if we're just summarizing Wada to be Dennis, then it's got to be Dennis, right? I need uh I'm going to need someone on my side to uh to to just argue more with me. Uh, well, look, I, it's like I hate that I even have to make this argument because everyone's going to be like, "So you told you Johnny loves Wada and all this bullshit." <laughs> Why is such uh, a Wada chill, Johnny? Yeah, I don't I don't know. But I mean, I'm just looking at impact. Right, if we're things talking about things that impacted, if you're gonna say Metal Jesus impacted and video game nerd impacted all this stuff, and Mike Etler because of their impact, 
then I think there has to be an argument. I'm not saying for sure. And like I said, I'm just brainstorming with this. I'm saying you, you have to say it's there because it has impacted the whole style of collecting and it's changed the landscape of game collecting at this point for the last several years. No one even knows what the hell is happening anymore. It's too recent. That's, that's like I, that's like saying that's, something that that's related to COVID is is part uh, the biggest part of American history. No, but people say the Spanish flu is a big part of American history. And how long did that last? But that wouldn't like, be on on the most important how, events in American history, Mount Rushmore. How well we're we're talking in a much smaller spectrum too. American history is a much larger, you know, surface area than the last thirty years. I'm really, gonna say collecting is only like 25-ish years, really 20 years. Dan, we could put Dan Maresca on video game Mount Rushmore before we can put Dennis Khan because Dan Maresca sold the hundred thousand dollar Mario that kicked off all this but garbage. That, so we yeah, can still link him to this. For what, oh man, you are you're really trying hard to to disclude this. I don't know why to disclude. <laughs> I mean, look at every Nintendo Age e-zine, and how much did Dennis contribute to that uh, compared to how much guys like Dan Mareska and DreamTR contributed to those? And I mean, Nintendo uh, Age e-zine, obviously, think, like, a niche part of game are, collecting compared I to, also, like, giant Metal Jesus YouTube Listen, channels. listen to my argument here. If you're not going to put Dane, who housed all those e-zines, who was responsible for all that, you want to put the people who were sub to that above Dane? Yes. That's ridiculous to me. Yes, I'm in. Let's do it. No, absolutely not. I just don't think your order of operations makes any sense. Like Dane, if this is your. I'm, it, like it's, also, see, I'm, I, I'm biased also, too because Dane's out of game collecting. So at this point, yeah, like, Dane but that does doesn't matter. Show, Mike, like, Dane was a web host. Yeah, Mike Etler. Mike Etler was just a guy who wrote a list, uh, a bad list, an important list that important, influenced but bad Dane's list. list on Nintendo Age. And Nintendo had Nintendo Age had the easy. What you're this is a that, terrible. We need to like research. This is a terrible question, Chris. Why did you ask this? We need like a list of influential game collectors, and we need to write like pros and cons of putting them on Mount Rushmore. Because like I'm only go, we're only working with stuff that we worked with off the top of our head. Right. So when when Johnny is is telling me that like oh Dream Tr didn't do anything for anyone, like I need to come up with my big list of things I, that Dream Tr contributed to the hobby. So well, I can and I, have a I don't know argument. If, I don't know if Dream TR did or didn't, but I don't have a lot of people telling me, oh, the stuff I got from Dream TR, but I know like other people who come up and say, oh, I got this from this person or this person or this person. Like, I, I don't know if this was like one of those bait like questions like, like, are you so arrogant you would put yourself on, on that list? And I absolutely would not. Um, so, yeah, I'm always going I, to game I, over Johnny to find the latest blog posts on game collecting, though. Yeah, I don't like. I, I I'm not gonna say I've had no influence, but I wouldn't put myself on Mount Rushmore. Um. All right. Well, uh, th- that would be the worst episode. What am I talking about? No one wants to hear about. We have to like explain who these people are in like detail to people who don't know. I, I hope like people didn't just shut off the episode because people they, are like, they probably who the fuck did. is Dennis Khan? <laughs> Yeah, because we didn't even Dennis. By the way, if anyone doesn't know, a founder of Wada Games, also uh, active guy on Nintendo Age, famous picture of him holding a stadium events cart he found for cheap. I, uh, I mean, he also contributed a lot of information too, like sure. to collecting before that. Like that's so it's like underselling all of that accomplishment is 
is a you little see, weird. You see, I know, I, I know. I'm not trying to obviously. I, I know Dennis is an, is influential in the game collecting information world as well. Um, you know, but when you're narrowing it down to the top four, you got to make the tough cuts. Yeah, I mean, you're like narrowing it down to the top four, but like, let's <laughs> and meanwhile, put Metal like Jesus Nintendo Twizer, get him. Yeah. He took three amazing took a, pictures. And that's yeah, all it takes. Uh, you know what? Upton Sinclair wrote one book that anyone cares about, and you know his name. Yep, he wrote the Jungle. For those of you who don't know, which uh, come on, everyone knows. Everyone knows good old Upton Sinclair. I'm pretty sure he wrote Oil too, which uh, There Will Be Blood yeah. is based on, which is the best movie of all time. So people might know that too. All right. Anyways, <laughs> uh, we don't have a good answer, and we just argued for 10, 15 minutes about how bad our answers are. Sorry, no good answer is coming. The end. All right. Uh, that's the end of that section, Johnny. Woo, we did it. All right. Now bore me with all the things you bought and all of the things that you played. But before that, can I can I just, since we're kind of on this train, can we just talk about how bad that video was from X-Play? Or G four, like it's G four X play. <laughs> Come on, are we really Gerard. gonna do this? <laughs> I just, I just want to throw out that Gerard, the completionist for X play, threw out this super muddled worst information video I've watched in a long time about why it's expensive to collect retro games and who all the villains are, and uh, it, it was comically bad. And just, also, yeah, Gerard, it- the completionist, is a guy who plays and completes video games, isn't necessarily a guy who collects video games. So I got a lot of like emails and not like emails really? and messages about asking me about this from like people who just are, they're not really collectors, but they like games. So they're just in the gaming world that are friends of mine. And they're like, Oh, what was this video? And I was like, what is this video? Why am I? Then I'm like, what is this? I'm like, is that Jared the completionist? Does he work for X play now? G4, I know is back, but like, are they actually doing things? Cause I haven't seen anything. And is this it? Is this, when I knew less and I used to just watch X play and stuff, did I just get fed information incorrectly? And because I didn't have enough knowledge, I was just like, yeah, that sounds good. And just went along with it. Oh my God, the world is doomed. Yeah. If you don't know, there's, there's this new on the G4 TV YouTube channel, because who watches cable TV anymore? There's a, there's a new video basically about why uh, the high end game speculation is ruining video games forever. Um, well, that's not, but that's not how it even prompts itself. It just says, why is retro gaming? Why is retro they gaming don't even answer so that question? It's no, called, it, why is retro gaming so expensive? And that's like not what the video is about. It's basically paraphrasing the kind of things that Carl Jobs brings up in his videos. Absolutely that. I th- Carl Jobs, I think, obviously went into those videos with an agenda, but did his best to like understand it from an outsider's thing even if he gets some things wrong because he's an outsider and this video just like paraphrases things and clearly is not interested in actually learning what is happening they're just like uh you know so the i only watched actually about half of this because it was it got pretty it's real bad stupid uh the part that i i thought was the funniest was when he said that the the hundred thousand dollar mario was bought by a cabal of three investors and it was uh rich lecce Jim Halperin and Dennis Kahn and saying that like Dennis bought the hundred thousand dollar Mario makes it sound so much worse than so Zach Geig who owns a game store uh, is uh, the guy the third person in that group but making the third person in that group Dennis makes it sound so much worse 
And then immediately after it, they, he said that like all these games fetching record prices, I think they're coming from Rich Lecce's collection. And it's like, that is not where the Mario came from. And that is not where a lot of this random shit came from. So I don't know. And just... also it's, it's not about collecting this. It like the premise is why is it so expensive to play retro games? And it is super not expensive to play retro games. It's super expensive to own sealed Nintendo games. Yeah. And old games. Like it's not these so are not he, the same things. He, it's crazy. So he uh he goes and he posts like a $35 copy of Donkey Kong 64. And then an unsold buy it now, to be clear. Yeah. And then uh in the next frame, he posts like some thousand dollar like promo, some kind of blockbuster copy of Donkey Kong 64. And he's like, the prices are out of control. Yeah. And no one bought the $35 copy. You can still go buy that Donkey Kong 64 and a cartridge of Donkey Kong 64 will never be prohibitively expensive. No, especially since it came with, like, if you don't know Donkey Kong 64's history, it came with that expansion pack, which everyone needed. So it just sold a boatload and people have bought and sold all the complete copies to cannibalize that for their needs Yeah, uh, over and over. So you can find carts of Donkey Kong 64 all over the place. And then he just like searches for Nintendo on eBay and sorts by highest price. And he's like, look at all these games. There's a Mario here for a million dollars. And it's like, but that, how much is a copy of Super Mario Duck Hunt? Because that's the game people want. That's for now until the end of history. A cartridge of Mario Duck Hunt and Mario 3 are like the two keys to getting into Nintendo. And fucking until those are like over a hundred dollars. And I don't know that that will ever be the case. It will be perfectly easy to play on original hardware with original games, even discounting the fact that nearly everyone in history is okay with going to the internet and downloading a ROM of Super Mario Brothers, even if that's technically illegal. Or you could buy a Switch and pay them the $20 a year and just play it. Or just pl- or, buy any Switch game because all of them are re-releases and compilations of old games now. Yeah, it, it was a really mad video, Why are we I, talking? It's just another one of these stupid videos. You make me feel like I got to defend, like... I know, I don't, I don't the think anyone... that need, they're wrong about. But, I just, like, I, yeah, the but section of the got, market oh, sucks. It, but, man, it, if you're wrong about it, now I got to call you out for making a bad video. Uh, but, like, I don't know why X-Play was even jumping into this. And I don't know why Gerard the Completionist, who does is not a big-time collector... Like, I don't know why these people are in these waters. That's... But they have a lot of influence and and sphere, so it's like, okay. Uh, They said, and a bunch of people listened, if you look at the comment section, and I have friends asking me, it's like, oh god, here we go again, I like more of this dumbass shit. Don't watch this video. Uh, And and yeah, you could talk about speculation markets and like whether they're bad or good and like all all the sins that these people have done and like, it pains me to say this, but go watch the Carl Jobs video. Don't watch this (laughs) one. Please. Yeah, that's that's pretty much where we're at. Um, yeah, that's all. I just thought it like this was more funny to me than like alarming that we had to address. It was like, oh my god, how is that? How is that video so bad? What were we even? Are we got talking about what are we buying? What are we playing? I think that's let's just move on from this fucking YouTube video. I wanted to bring that up because I thought it was hilarious. Uh, Johnny, what, what are buy? you buying? Uh, no, what in, are you buying? And what are you playing? Nothing. I'm not buying anything. What are you buying? Mm. I received a game, Johnny. I'm very excited. I think it's oh, it's what is it? What is potentially it one of the most collectible games in my collection. Uh, Saying that from a sense of a lot of like the the nicer stuff I have in my collection is dumb bullshit that no one cares about, like that rare Yoshi's cookie. Uh, this I think is 
probably something that some nerds out there care about. Donnie, I got a personal software release of Zork for uh, the Apple II, not the Apple II, the TRS-80. Apple II came out a month after. Come on. Hey, Tyler, do better. Yes. I, I would like people to know, and I know it's going to surprise people, but Tyler and I both had this on our watch list. What? Oh. what are yeah, you don't about? you? We talked about this when you were talking about buying Zork, and I'm like, oh yeah, I saw that copy. Oh, on like up. safe searches, you mean? Yeah, yes. You saw, wait, this is the game you saw before me? I could not believe yes. that you saw this before yeah, me. Yeah, that's the one I sent you the link, and you're like, this one. Because I like, got yeah. this within like maybe two hours of it being listed. Yeah. And I was okay. like, oh, and that's when I asked you, I'm like, oh, did you already buy it? The $1,500 one or whatever it was? And you're like, yes. <laughs> so, all right, let me, uh, uh, let me go over buying it first. So it was listed by a guy in Canada with zero feedback, and he listed it in a way where only Canadians can buy it. And this is something that happens when you have, uh, you know, these new eBay sellers, sometimes like they don't accept credit cards or something. And it's like difficult for you to buy the game. And you have to like message them and be like, hey, your listing is screwed up in some way. I don't know. I'm not eBay, so I can't tell you how it's screwed up. Can you like fix your listing so I could actually buy this? Uh, personal software Zork is pretty rare. And I'll go into what exactly it is in a minute. But um, I wasn't going to risk that, Johnny. So I went and I logged on to a Canadian proxy service. Like, I, I talked to people that didn't even know that Canadian proxy services existed, and I had him ship it to a Canadian proxy service, so I spent an extra $45 to get this shipped to me, just because I didn't want to risk someone else purchasing it while I messaged him to try to get him to ship it to me directly, Johnny. This is a good buy. I'm impressed with this one. Uh, yeah, so uh, Zork is a really early interactive fiction game text adventure originally a mainframe game i'm guessing most people listening to a game collecting podcast know what zork is uh, if you don't kids go look up your video game history but originally it was like this gigantic mainframe game i don't know a lot about the original 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 zork uh, but then they wanted to sell it commercially so they uh the very very first commercial release of zork was for the pdp 11 which is a mini computer, which if you saw it, you would call it a mainframe because it's like the size, it's like bigger than a refrigerator. Uh, but it was very popular. And apparently they only sold under 100 copies for Zork just because, you know, that's it's not like a commercial gaming isn't really a thing yet. So they sold under 100 copies. And the only thing that exists is a single known surviving manual from that release. So there's not even a disc from that release. So the very, very first release of Zork essentially does not exist except digitally you can just go download it after that zork was so big that when they were porting it to home microcomputers they split it up into three games that's why there's zork one two three and they all came out one right after another because the original uh the original original mainframe zork was actually all three games in one which i could not even imagine because zork one is like big and hard to comprehend alone um anyway the game was made by Infocom, but they hired personal software to distribute the very first baggy releases of Zork, uh, which I forgot. I don't remember the story, but they basically weren't happy with personal software. So then they just took over uh, publishing and marketing the game themselves. So these very first personal software copies are pretty rare, Johnny. There is a TRS-80 Model 1 TRS-80 Model 3, and then a little bit later, there is a, 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 a small box Apple II, and they all have this Barbarian on them. Uh, they, it is, it's super cool. It's pretty rare. The 
blog posts from like Zork enthusiast sites say that between the two TRS-80 copies, they made about 1,500 of them. Pretty rare. Pretty, pretty cool. rare. Pretty, pretty cool. cool. I'm pretty excited, Johnny. That's, I'm excited for you. I wish I had. I can't believe you have a saved search for this. Zork is important. It's, it sure is. It's hard as hell. I remember playing it in uh, high school because text adventures are one of the things that was super easy to play without teachers realizing what you were doing. All right. What else did you buy? Anything else that you want to talk that about? Is or is that it? Kind of it. I got some stuff in Japan and the UK that has not arrived. Oh, uh, you know what? I don't. Did I talk about my Amiga games that I got? I got I a shipment so. of some Amiga stuff. I got like worms and uh, another world, I think, is the most exciting thing I got. Like I could list you these games and you would be like, I have no idea what the prices of any of those are. I got worms, sensible soccer, sensible world of soccer and another world and sensible soccer sensible world of soccer not very expensive games worms was probably like 20 40 dollars and another world it's like a hundred dollar video game so uh wow those are all amiga games but i wanted the first release of another world i also want a first release of prince of persia but uh you know what that's who knows it's like hundreds dollars now like five hundred thousand i don't know what an original prince of persia costs but it is too much money Seems like it's probably a lot then. Yeah. Yeah. You right. got nothing, Johnny, after I'm uh, I'm talking about no, this I, nonsense. I, I don't have anything exciting here. I'll tell you what I bought. Okay. So I went to a bookstore that sometimes sells games and I bought like twenty games for like I don't know, ten dollars or something stupid like that. And they're all like Xbox three sixty and like Wii games and then I and PS three games and PS4 games. Not There's super exciting. In your house. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> okay. All good titles. All good titles, but like right. not super exciting. Like, there's like a Sonic in there for 360 and it's stuff that's fine. It's not stuff that I like want to take a picture and be like, look at this cool stuff. It's like a stuff I'd tell, like take a picture of like, look at this value I got. Um, I'm excited to buy them, but also I'm a garbage man and put all the shit in my house and I don't have space for. So that's not very exciting to talk about. Um, oh, Here's one. Thanks, Josh Byerly, for this. I got a SpongeBob game. Ha- have you heard of SpongeBob? Uh, no, never heard of SpongeBob. Well, he lives in a pineapple under the sea. Um, <laughs> oh, SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, anyways, it's a uh, Truth or Square, and for some reason, it has a game piece on it. It's got like a sweepstakes, like on the side of your McDonald's cup, peel and see if you won type of game piece. Sure. And it's on the front cover of this game. And if you ever see it with this, it's always peeled. It's always peeled. You're like, oh man, someone peeled it. Because of course they did, or it's <laughs> sealed. This one, for some reason, is open and it's not peeled. And I got it because Josh Byerly showed it to me. And I was like, that's cool. I didn't even know it had a variant. Sure. That, yeah, that sounds like something that's totally awesome. <laughs> yeah. So, although truth or square? Yeah. Well, that sounds like a strangely teenager-ish adults theme for a uh, children's Spongebob game. Yeah, well, maybe it was. I, I don't know. I don't like Spongebob. Anyways, I thought the variant was cool just like, because not even that, it's Spongebob, but like that type of variant existing with these game pieces like that, I thought was cool. So that was what I'm interested in. me. That about is it. cool. Especially complete in box, like you didn't have to like buy it sealed. And it's like, all right, well, yeah. obviously it's sealed. No one picked it off. Like, no, you found someone who's just like an idiot. They just like did not care. Yeah. I, I love it. Yeah, so um, the other thing I got was a bunch of squished games. 
Uh, the Game Boy Advance games, I showed these off in our Discord. But yeah, not like super exciting titles, but it's like Top Gun and Dora Explorer and Zapper. Two of these games I needed, and I got them like a very good price. They're all complete in box. Had their posters and things like that. Like, oh yeah, awesome. Except they put them in a bubble mailer. Because of course they did. And they shipped them media mail. And <sighs> like, Man. let me, let just to everybody out there. And they're like, oh, media mail's cheap, so I want to sit. Like, guys. Oh, I just said it. Anyways, media mail is bad for multiple reasons. One, you're not supposed to send games that way. And here's why you don't want to, even though it's cheaper. Because what is shipped media mail? Big, heavy books and magazines and chunks of paper. Your delicate game boxes, especially that you're trying to put in like dumbass bubble mailers, are not going to survive in, in the squish amongst all these other giant heavy packages. Do not send them this way. This is a bad, like, don't do this. They will be damaged. Like, we talk about, like, the, the joke, oh, you could, they could be shipping a bowling ball and land on it. They are guaranteed shipping something that weighs more than bowling balls if they're shipping a bunch of books. Don't put your games in there because they're going to get crushed. Anyways, yeah, that's what I bought. A bunch of crushed games. I will say the seller was like, I sent him a note, made my case to him. I'm like, hey, man, you shipped these media mail. I didn't ask. I said I would pay to have them shipped in a box. I don't know what happened here. I don't know what the disconnect. Maybe it was just holidays. He instantly just refunded me and also apologized. Just said, hey, you know, I'm really sorry. Um, like, I'm going to refund you everything but the shipping. I'm sorry about that. Um, and that was that. And so it's like, I wasn't happy about it, but then like my total cost out was like $4. So I was like, well, okay. So. I still get mad every time I saw those games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I will, like I, I did the best I could to like get them back in position and like I put them in a box protector. So then they look better, but so Johnny, yeah. uh, you yeah. know what I got for Christmas? On oh, my wish list, uh, I forgot I got, we didn't have Christmas stuff on here. Um, oh. I, you know, I didn't keep a, I didn't keep a good list of all the stuff I got for Christmas, including a uh, Ninja Gaiden Master Collection and Waifu Uncovered from Johnny Ayuchi. Thank you so much, John. Yeah, you're welcome. You I show got me you love them by playing them. The Switch release of Undertale from oh. Fan Gamer. I am ape at one of these websites. Fan Gamer. Um, it comes with like a little locket. And a yep. big chunky box. And man, Undertale is a computer game, but I got the Switch game because it says Nintendo on it. And I actually played it. I'd never played Undertale before. I just know it's like a popular game and it has like this kind of weird distribution. I'm sure this is not even remotely rare, but it's not like in Best Buy, right? You buy it from fangamer.com. So yeah, like, all right, I'll get a Switch Undertale. Well, at least I'll make someone else get it for me for Christmas. And so I played through Undertale, Johnny, and I played through it three times. And I think oh. Undertale is probably the best new game, like not counting like Diablo 2 Resurrected, the best new game I've played since maybe Divinity Original Sin 2. Uh, nowhere near as good as Divinity, but Undertale is a super good game. And I totally get why the kids like it, Johnny. Told you Undertale was good. Uh, yeah. So, uh. Man, and it's you like waffled. A, and you waffled on buying that for so long. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I like it so much. Like I'm considering buying the PC version because that, like, like man, when you beat the game, uh, the first time, like the, the game like takes control of your, your the window because the game runs in a window unless you press full screen. It does like weird stuff. It's like man, this is a, it's a, 
stupid shitty computer game that someone made it runs like one of those like exe games if you know what those are they're like sonic fan games that are all shitty it feels like a game that one dude made and distributed on like itch.io and i kind of love that but yeah like did you did what did you did you beat undertale yeah did you just do like a normal beat did you go through and do like the genocide and save everyone runs I just did a normal oh, one there. and like, so I want to, it's a game that I have, like, I should go back and replay this and do more, but I didn't have the time when I was doing it. So now it's just been on my backlog for why are RPGs not like this. So usually an RPG, it's like, you know, 30 hours long. And every time I go to it, it's like, fuck, when am I going to beat this? Undertale is like five hours long tops. And it's so like jam packed with secrets and things that change when you play. That's like I wanted to play it multiple times because it, it was it didn't feel like a slog to get through. Man, five hours! Yeah, everyone limit it, it your game to the five best hours you can make. It wasn't just stat grinding; like, they just give you opportunities for more. Yeah, and that's nice. I was ready to just play through it once, um, but so. I, Really, I wanted to see the Sans fight. So Sans, if you don't, everyone knows who's. I'm the only person who has not experienced this. I don't know why I'm talking about it. Like people don't know. Um, Sans is the famous meme boss that all the kids make memes about. Like, uh oh, here comes Sans. He's such a hard boss. And just playing through it normally, you do not get to fight him. You have to kill everybody in the game to fight him. Uh, so that's the reason I played through it again. And then that was so good that I played through it a third time and saved everybody. You did it. You did it. Uh, and I just. This is like pretty, pretty funny, but um, I literally just got two more messages about that stupid G4 video from separate people. <laughs> what? Are people just like messaging you about like yeah. what's going on on YouTube? Yes, dude. I get so many <laughs> dumb messages like this. Not, and I, I'm not saying people are dumb for messaging me. They're like, yeah, cl- you know, people think I have a valuable take and I, I'm flattered and I appreciate that. Uh, so I get asked questions, but yeah, it's, um, Yeah. Not a great right. video, man. I, Anyways, yeah, I mean, your opinion is valuable. I guess people message me about like big box PC games and obscure stuff. I, I like, oh, it's so cool that someone else actually is into this. No one's asking me like, oh man, I asked you that lots of water questions. Sale last week. <laughs> I mean, I ask you all kinds of questions. I think your takes on things are very interesting. So probably why you co-host this podcast. Oh. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Whoa. Uh, Johnny, I played through It Takes Two with Ada. That game's pretty good. You said it was pretty good, and I was like, what is this game? Let me go research it. And then I'm like, oh, I own this game. Oh, did I hear you talking about this on the show? No, we talked about it personally. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, you won, won the game of the year. Man, it's not like the craziest thing ever. It, it's it's a puzzle platformer. It's just really well made. And it, what it does is it, it changes the style of gameplay every 10 minutes. So you're not always doing the same thing. So it's like a puzzle platformer one at some point. And then it turns into like an on rails segment from like Sonic Adventure where you're grinding down rails and then it turns into like an overhead gauntlet style game. So it keeps it interesting. It does a lot of just like it puts physics things in the world that are fun to play with that have like no purpose other than to create your own fun with. And it's always great when games do that kind of thing. So like immediately after beating it, I'm like, oh, this is like kind of fucked up in some ways and really cool. Like Brothers uh, Tale of Two Sons. And it was totally made by the same developer. I did not look into this game at all. I just bought it because I was looking for co-op games. You know, I, I hate to tell you this, but Waifu Uncovered is a co-op game. That you can play with. <laughs> uh, you could play with Ada. I'm just saying. Uh, no, she doesn't. I don't think she would like a shooter. Uh, it's not strictly a shooter. 
You guys are going to love this game. Play it together. Okay. Also, it gives sexy time. Like, who knows? Who knows? Just making <laughs> your day sexier. Anyways. Um, yeah. That's uh, that's what we played. Uh, that's what you played. What did I play? Um, Call of Duty. I played some Call of Duty because I was frustrated. And I was like, let me just shoot some things. That's yeah, what I did. Which, which Call of Duty? What's the hot new Call of Duty? Vanguard? Uh, Vanguard is the hot new Ooh. one, I guess. But um, I was playing Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remake. Uh, so that's what I was playing. And then um, I did. I was like, oh, man. Like, I played through for a couple hours. I'm like, okay. Like, they don't cycle through the maps very well at all. And my, my theory is that they put you in mostly the longer maps because they don't have enough people playing. So you just get cycled through the same shitty maps over and over again, or it's like based on your internet speed. Mine isn't great, so maybe I get always put in just like dumbass giant maps that always take the full ten minutes and never go to score time. I'm like, but I want to play some of the quicker maps. Anyways, I got Vanguard. There's a lot going on there. I don't know what the hell's happening, and uh, I was I just felt like an old man. I was like, what is this Vanguard, and how do you play it? Um, yeah. So. I've been trying to muddle my way through that. It feels like, I don't know if it's pay to win, but they want you to buy a lot of extra stuff. I was always just like, can I just grind? And apparently the answer is no. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're doing the thing, Johnny. They want you to spend all the money. They're going to get it out of you somehow. I just uh, want them to add a physical aspect to it. Yeah. Um, Johnny, Pat the NES Punk, Mount Rushmore of game collecting. Um, <laughs> so influential, he was kicked off Nintendo Age or left begrudgingly. I don't remember. Uh, no, he also left begrudgingly video game Sage, I think. Um, is he older than the Angry Video Game Nerd? No, he is not. I meant in terms of channel age. Anyway, oh, I, I'm just I thought joking. they were, you know, kind Pat of Punk, probably pretty decently influential, even in terms of like uh, information, well, like you could argue. Uh, his books, I think his books are good. Not, they're not like the most informational, but they're good information. But I think the anecdotes are super good. The the write ups, they're not just Wikipedia back of the box type stuff. Johnny's pretty good. Okay, like I'm, I'm not I, dismissing. I'm just, I just, I randomly had a tab still up from when we were talking. About <laughs> yeah, that, I'm, so I wanted to. I didn't, I didn't say. I didn't say no way on Pat the Espunk. I'm like, well, there's an argument to made. I think he's contemporaries with Angry Video Game Nerd, and he did like early collecting videos, you know, of like his finds and stuff. So, I, I mean, I think you could definitely make a case for that. Does that shock you? People think I don't like him or something. I, it's like, just because yeah, I don't hate everyone. Well, no, like you, like people get this wrong. Like people think that because I dislike some of the content or their style of presentation means that I dislike the person. I don't have feelings normally about the people. Uh, unless I like say so like metal Jesus rocks. I think did some stuff that like is pretty questionable and like a little gross. And I don't like that. Um, but like Pat, the S punk, like, I guess he's had an attitude, but I've met him a couple of times and like, didn't always go great, but I'm not like, God, I hate Pat, the NES punk. I'm just like, eh. like, and I don't always disagree with his takes or anything. Um, angry video game nerd. I don't like the character, but I think James Rolfe has a, a lot of information and, you know, when he's just like talking about what he knows and like his passion, I, I think that's like really interesting and good. And there's a lot of like good ways to see what he knows um, aside from that channel. So it, it's a, there is a separation between content and person that some people don't make, but I, I do. There's nuance there. 
That's all. That's all. All right, right, Johnny. Is is there anything else uh, in this episode that's going on? Uh, I don't think so. Just make sure you watch that video on G4, right? No? Okay. What's eBay Collections? Why did I write this down? I think this was a thing I wanted to start the episode with because it would have been an interesting to interesting thing to talk about but i forgot to bring it up i i think ebay collections isn't that like about cards and like what they're doing in the market and the safe space to buy them and isn't that they're like new bent like with sports cards and shoes oh okay hold so yes you're right it's gonna be it's just cards right now but actually uh pat the nes punk and the cu podcaster he did a segment on it so now it will seem like we're we're ripping them off cool Um, so we probably just shouldn't talk about that done but we should talk about it, Johnny. Like, game value now and price charting are garbage. They, like, I don't even look at them anymore. They are useless. But if oh, no, eBay becomes the arbiter of prices, then I, mean, I think that could be they already are the arbiter of prices. Well, yes. But what if they actually had price history that goes back longer than three to six months? Uh, gave you graphs. And it was and more accurate than... I just, I think it's really easy to do for cards, but we talk about the same problem that all these sites have. Until they solve the problem of what games are, and how they are different than cards, you're not going to do it. Games come in too many different states. So games come loose without a manual, with the manual, CIB. Like there's too many different ways. No, that is video a solvable problem. I think that there's a very hard problem to solve for a guy in his basement coding in his spare time. True. But for I, someone who could, wants to turn it into like the platform for tracking collections and prices from a giant site make, like eBay, I think they could do it. Yeah, or at least they could do a defi- much better job than anything we've seen before. I, I think if eBay started, like, when you put in, like, not letting you list an auction until you listed, like, check, does it have manuals? Like, does it have inserts? You know, which would be great. I would love it if you had to go through a checklist, like, has manual, has insert, you know, has all the stuff. Game is, And then they would say whether the game was complete in box. And then you could filter down to things that are complete, you know. I think that would be great eBay could definitely do it, but they need to solve that first by doing some other things. They can't just go back and look at all of their history and be like, we have the answer because that's not true. And then they would need to like, look at like, okay, these are sealed, but also graded versus just sealed. Uh, you know, and then like, how do they do that? Do they just say sealed graded games on average are this and sealed graded or sealed no, games they could, average they could on this, or do they break it down the by grades? the number? I mean, that, look, yeah. every, look, every, look at trading cards. Every trading card is fucking graded that they're going to be looking at. They know yeah, the difference between PSA and 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 all that. I think it's just on eBay to make sure that sellers have to go through the rigmarole of listing all that, and does that benefit them? Right? Like, does like putting in extra hurdles to sell a game? No, they're eBay. just pulling this information from like images and and descriptions and heuristics and stuff. They're not I mean, making they, sellers uh, upload more information. Okay, I mean they could have definitely an algorithm, uh, you know, that scans a picture and then deems that. But not all pictures are great. Like how many? That's what I'm saying. Like you could put it on the sellers a little bit to like make sure that information is in there. So you know they could. There's ways eBay can do it. I'm saying there's ways to solve it, but they have to solve it before you can just do it. It's not. It's not just like as well, easy as doing it with as cards. cards. Yes, but car- we just talked about cards are a lot easier. I mean, they are. But I mean, I also think they could do an imperfect job that would be good enough for the majority of people mm. to start tracking collections and prices on eBay. Haven't we been dealing with good enough for long enough? No, we've been dealing with so bad it's basically unusable. I think like eBay is not going to miss their own sales. And also eBay 
they have all the data going back to like the year 2000 or whatever. They can give us as much data as they want. Like they don't like if you were starting up a new price charting, you'd be fucked because like price charting and game value now go back to like 2008, 2011 or something. So you you can't compete with them anymore. The, the data's gone. But eBay is the one place that still has all the data. Anyway, I think it's interesting. It might never come to games, but it seems like if the hype in all collectibles stays high enough, this is something they would want to bring to as much stuff as possible. Okay. I, I don't disagree. I like, look, we love eBay and like, if they can figure it out, they are the right. They definitely have the best tool to figure it out. Right. They have the yeah. best starting place. So please I'm begging for anyone. I was all in for go collect. I'm like, can you fix this? Please do it. I'll root for you. I'm a fan. Let's do this. How can I help? And then they're like, nah, fuck you guys. And I was like, well, that was disheartening. It's like, <laughs> all right, price charting. You guys have always been a little suspect in my mind, but sure, maybe your stuff is good. And they're like, nah, just anybody, please, somebody, please, somebody track games and their values in such a way that makes sense to the world. Yeah, it, man. I mean, like the information would be there if you get enough of it. But like looking at trading cards, like I was complaining. Uh, this might have been on After Dark, not complaining, but I was like, how many comics are there? This comic sells for $1,000 and there's like 20 of them listed on eBay. What is going on? But like trading cards are an entirely different beast. There will be like hundreds and hundreds of copies of the same trading card. So they just have uh, an immense amount of data. And if I was going to go look up a complete in box copy of the magic of Shahrazad, there might be like a couple copies up that would be good information data points. So for the, all these cards, they must have just so many, so many data points true i think gixon releases uh they release what categories are the most sniped categories and i think sports and trading cards are both oh absolutely yep has to be such a good commodity johnny yeah get those alternative assets guys you can find me on uh instagram and video game sage i'm default gen default gen guys and you can find uh our other co-host who isn't available today but he is the art of NP. You can find him mainly on Twitter, but also under the same handle on Instagram. So give a look for him and you can find me at Johnny underscore Iuchi. And I am on Instagram. You can also find me as Johnny on the Discord. So if you want to join up on our Discord and get into our Patreon, you can do that for as little as $2 and as much as $6. But do it at the $4 spot because that's the best one. Um and uh, get get all that bonus content and get onto a like really the thing is to get on the discord and chat with all the fantastic people that are there if you want to support the podcast if you have money to waste uh if not please avoid it and please keep enjoying the show thanks so much for listening we'll talk to you next time and sorry for the sick voice bye that is our show no errata for the week i don't think we are perfect thank you to 8-bit a-p-e-bit bandcamp.com he does our amazing intro music and thank you all of the patrons richard patron number one bowden canadian variant alert chris glidden nintendo world champion daniel jacksvick high-end collector andrew brim greeting stranger i'm not surprised to see andrew shelton around here guys it is so hard to come up with nicknames oh my god that's deckard kane from diablo boy i hope people pick up what i'm putting down 
50 hertz is good enough for me, Andre. Ben Parker, a bad enough dude to rescue the president. Video games were meant to be slapped. Brandon Ackley, Brian Gupta, and Pocky and Rocky with Becky. Mint Condition, Brian J. Mora, the strictly limited super rare Bruno. Fat Cat Collector, Chris Jackson, Chris SNK, too many NES accessories, Mrozek. Johnny's GBA hookup, coffee with Mr. Saturn, playing with power, Connor Strange. The last game you need for the set, Corey O'Brien, unpunched hangtab, Dustin Beagle, he has returned to judge this city, Eric Addison, man of Nintendo in the world of Nintendo, Funky Brewster, the actual Shinobi, Jasonic the Kid, Jeff the Game Boy Ferris, Red Pyramid Thing, Jonathan Shados, the Nintendo Tape Archivist, Joseph Leo, Lance Lord Hardstyle Z, The Degenerate, Matt Ball, Mr. CIB, get your loose Genesis carts out of here! Funko Land employee, platform agnostic. Read the game shark. The Famicom Box Retro Game Enthusiast! They could be ghosts and goblins twice! Chefish! Vintage video game connoisseur who knows they're better than modern games. The Fuzzy! Sean, the Gamer Collective! The Newcraft, who can beat Mega Man without the pause trick. Previously unknown variant, Tim Walker. From the internet, Todd Fisher. Can't put limits on collecting, VG Collectaholic. The Willennium, Will Joe. Keeper of the Zelda variants, Dev Code. He said on video game stage not to pronounce 0x in a totally unrelated thread. I don't know, I've been saying it for like, what, a year or so? correcting myself. Am I talking to myself? Does anyone even listen to like this outro of the show with the Patreon shoutouts? Like maybe there's one guy in the shower who has like a podcast on in the background and you, you can't go hit the next uh, podcast button. Shout out to the guy who's currently unable to reach his podcast controls. You know, you could just say like, hey Siri or whatever the Android version of that is. Okay, Google, right? I'm not sure I understand. Oh, shut up. Getting the full PS2 set because Stefan won't all cap no gods or kings, only Andy Lancaster! Bioshock, I really hope people get Bioshock references. That game's like super popular, right? What a 9.8 A++ Benji, the actually rare bird dog gaming, Brandon Rogers, whose favorite episode is the wrestling episode, dropping the Mario 64 penguin off the map, Brandon Chacker, Still finding deals in 2022, Colton Murphy, a where is him, David Green, Derek Lauer who made me edit this show, Don Libby the hero of time, actually understands the Zelda timeline, Jeff Pierce, he is error, Jeff Russell, Jeremy Jarvis here for the pod talk, Joe actually plays his games champ pity, video game art collector because video games are art, Justin Chichio, Lateral Movement, who's got a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up. Michael, posting in the Discord right now. Chiara Monti, Nick the Video Game Database Morgan, Homebrew Mastermind, Divertov, the other guy who collects Korean releases, Peaceful Games, Dungeon Master, Reed Stubenick, The Promoter, Retro RPG Podcast, Todd Obscure Variant, Chaser Chase, Zaventorian, he knows all 97 Nintendo games, 32 bits or less, do the math! Andrew actually collecting Engage O, Chesno, all your base are belong to him, Colby, he is Sinistar, Corhagen does what Nintendo don't, Daniel McArdle, who thought this was the Retronauts Patreon, the modern database, Danny Gomez, the philatelist dork overlord, my childhood PlayStation idol, GameDashRave.com, 
I hope that nickname doesn't make you feel old. It's just because I'm young. I mean, man, you've been the PlayStation guy forever. Joseph Rogers got 50,000 on Double Dragon, collector of everything, including Atari, Kalen McAteer, Sam Sega Mark III Marks, and Sean the Video Game Illuminati LaCroix. Thank you guys so much.